Welcome, welcome, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this, the Rambling Brews Podcast. I am your host, Tim, and this is episode 30. Hard to believe it's been 30 episodes. It's been a little bit of time since I had my uh, last episode, but as you guys know, I have a, a one-month-old baby actually today, so a lot's been going on here. I appreciate your guys' patience and the, the little break and the gap here, but I wanted to take time and refresh as the NHL season is slowly approaching. And with that being said, this episode, I got an unbelievable guest. I've been trying to track this man down. We've been going back and forth with scheduling and trying to figure out the best time to get him on. I'm a little bit disappointed I didn't get him on episode 29. He's the biggest Marc-Andre Fleury fan on the, on the planet. And as, as you guys know, Marc-Andre Fleury wears number 29. Now for the Chicago Blackhawks, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit. But for episode 30, my brother Jeff, how's it going, man? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, congrats on the baby too, man. That's awesome. Yeah, appreciate it. It's uh, it's been a lot. It's been been fun. I got a two and a half year old daughter too, so it's cool to see them interact, but also a little bit scary at times, just because she like wants to hold him all the time, and we will let her when we're right there, but she'll like try to pick him up off his boppy pillow, and you know, you know how like you have a daughter that's around the same age, man. It's like they can just pick up a toy and then they're done with it, and they just throw it on the ground and go to the next thing. So like, I don't need her to do that to my newborn son. <laughs> uh but hey man what are you drinking over there on this uh lovely evening yeah so i got some uh spotten oktoberfest it's uh uh, it's a german beer it's um it's got extra hops in it and how's that that different from like the regular spotten because i like the regular spotten beer yeah so spotten spotten's a um a munich uh germany brewery um i think there's only like nine in munich actually like literally there's only nine breweries and, and the bars, they only carry one of those beers. Like they're, it's exclusive. Um, so like if you, like for instance, if you went to like uh Bingham Tavern on Mount Washington, um, you know, they would only carry iron city or something like that. Um, right. Or like if you went down to Southside and went to, you know, Carson city and they only carry, um, Bud Light or Budweiser, you know, that, that's sort of how it is in Germany. Um, so if you go to any of those, those, bars in Germany and, and especially in Munich, it's, um, it's specifically just Hopper house beer or just spot and beer or Hocker Spore or, you know, there's, there's like nine of them or something like that. I can't remember, but, um, but they're all great. So it's like, doesn't, doesn't matter what bar you go to, you're going to get some really good beer. Um, but I love spot and really smooth. It's got kind of a little sweetness to it almost. Um, and then the Oktoberfest has a little bit, I guess like multi taste to it, I guess. Um, it, it's delicious. Just if you ever have a chance, pick it up. If there's any left, I'm not sure if there's any left anywhere, but, um, but like spot Oktoberfest, Hocker Spore Oktoberfest, uh, Eyinger, uh, Oktoberfest, Hofbra. Um, but the Hofbra, I have to go to Hofbra house to, to actually get it on draft. Like that's a, a big difference for me, I think. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, I, I am too. I actually prefer, uh, you know, draft beer just in general, uh, to be honest, most of the time. But um, I had two things I wanted to ask you. So the other day we had our um, uh, fantasy hockey draft at the German club um, here in Pittsburgh. And somebody, I ever heard somebody say it. I don't know if it was somebody in our group or maybe it was you. I'm not sure. But I wanted to get your take on it because I didn't really know this. But the reason they call it Oktoberfest in Germany, can you elaborate on that? Because I thought somebody said, like, it's because... Like everybody in Germany, all the main breweries like brewed their main beer, or like their best beer, and there was maybe like a competition or something, or maybe I'm getting this terribly wrong, but I thought you would probably know something along those lines. Uh, like yeah, why I'm sure. It started. Yeah, I'm sure there's like ins and outs. I mean, the 
the whole reason it started though is from how I remember it. Um, cause I've been over there and I have friends over there. Um, it had to do with, uh, King Ludwig who, uh, was the King of Bavaria, which is uh, a state in Germany. Um, back in like the 1800s, it was, uh, there was no Germany. It was, everything was divided by state. And there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of pride and a lot of nationalism, I guess, for your state. Um, so if you think of like Texas or like California, you know, people from those states are very, you know, they, they sort of consider them the Texan first, uh, more than, than American basically. But, um, that's how it was back then that it was, uh, you know, Bavaria was a big state. It was, um, uh, known for, um, sort of this, you know, heavy in politics, heavy with the, the monarchy and, um, obviously great beer down there. So, um, when it was the wedding, uh, for King Ludwig, um, I think it was for King Ludwig. I don't know if it was his son or if it was for himself, but either way, <laughs> go with either way, there was a, there was a wedding. I know that. And there was just booze nonstop. And it actually took place in September. And, um, it's funny people, the <laughs> people here call it Oktoberfest. And, um, it, it's funny. It's not even in October, you know, it starts really in, in, um, in September, um, but it, it's not even called Oktoberfest. It's actually called Wiesen or Devisen. Um, that's what, that's what they call it there. They don't even call it Oktoberfest. Um, and, and Wiesen is just another name for like harvest basically. Um, because, you know, this is the time of year when, you know, it's like Thanksgiving, you know, it's, you're giving thanks, you're, you're harvesting crops and, and getting ready for the winter. Um, so that's sort of what, um, spawned it, you know, the, the wedding and then you know from there it was a good time to celebrate um you know the harvest season and um and yeah it's after that wedding it, it was every year since and um uh so yeah if you ever get out to to munich or anywhere in bavaria um you know, any of the fairgrounds they have set up uh and and it's called devisen so don't um, <laughs> don't say october yeah don't say october fast you'll, you'll be <laughs> probably pointing the other direction but um that's interesting man that, that's that's really interesting i definitely heard, overheard somebody say something so it's good to get some some uh you know information from you because i know you're the, the all-knowing german person i would go to for any any questions german related the other question i had was before we get into any hockey and actually this is a record for the rambling Bruce podcast we're about seven minutes in and i haven't cracked my beer yet so i'm gonna crack my cores light um why is it so like I've I've obviously never been to Germany. My wife has um she wants to go back and I'm I'm sure we will at some point here as the kids get a little bit older, but what uh what what is it about like is I don't know if it's Europeans or it's Germans or whatever, but it appears that like when I go to Hopper House or things I hear that they drink their beer warmer than we do here. Like it's almost like a room temperature almost like not room temperature, but you know what I mean? Like whenever you're at Hopper house, the beer instantly is not as ice cold as you would get like a Coors Light at a Buffalo Wild Wings or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah. It's not served necessarily like you think of like a frosted mug here or something like that. Um, it's a little cold. It's not like room temperature, but I wouldn't say temperature is a big, um, you know, issue for them. (laughs) Um, it's more about the taste and, and, um, and they're just crushing them. Dude. Yeah. Well, Over there, they... <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. Like I, I, so I was with my friend Giannis when I was there, um, last and we were, he's from Munich and he was taking me around Munich and, you know, show me around, takes me to these back, you know, real for far back beer gardens, um, in the, uh, in the main park that they have there. Um, English Garden is what it's called. And, um, 
and oh my god we're just pounding away these these steins you know the or the big moss as they call them it's the leader beers and he was smart enough to like uh fill his up where it's half beer half lemonade and it's called a uh a limo uh that's interesting yeah l-i-m-o and um it's delicious though like you think it would be like disgusting no it's it's refreshing and um for him, he wasn't getting as drunk as fast as I was. I was, I wasn't doing that. I was having just straight beer. So after like two or three of these mosses, like that's like 10 beers almost. And I was, I was just giggling like a schoolgirl. Like I was just, it was just <laughs> silly time. And, and I, I just remember him like not even being phased. Like I know his was probably half of what I was drinking, but still he wasn't even phased. And, um, another interesting little tidbit too of, of drinking over there is, um, you, you think of like, you go to Hopper House or really any bar and you do the cheers and you kind of put your glass down on the table first. Like, you know, you like you hold it then you put it down and then you cheer someone and you ch- yep. or, or cheers and then put it down and then up. Um, apparently that's really rude over there. Like that's the last thing you should be doing. Um, really? Yeah, because um, way, way back when, when it was um, Bavaria, um, you know, the state of Bavaria, like I was saying, and they're, you know, there's a lot of pride with your state that you're in. Um, and, uh, and there was Prussia, which was the Northern state and, uh, towards like Berlin area. And, okay. uh, and Prussia sort of known as like being like the militaristic type of, um, very proper German. Um, Bavaria is kind of like the California of Germany. Like they're just laid back. They're really chill. And so when it got united, Pr- Prussians were very, um, strict and just, um, seemed to always try to like kind of give an upper hand to, to what Bavarians were like. Um, and so, so whenever they would cheers the, with, a, with a Prussian, they would cheers them and then push it, you know, the mug down, basically canceling out that cheers. So it was like a, a huge disc <laughs> that they're, they're cheering to a Prussian that they're like, oh yeah, cheers. And then they hit the table, like cancel it out. So just think oh, twice. Just whenever disrespect yeah. Or maybe you want to do that on purpose. You know, I don't know if you're, you're cheering with someone you don't want to be cheering with. So. I'm just going to start doing that here. Like, yeah. I'm going to treat it as if it's like a, no, I don't want to cheers you, but I, I did it because we had to, but now I'm canceling it if I don't like you. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, how do you like them apples? That's interesting. Man. Yeah, it's crazy with different cultures, things you would think that we do here that are just normal. That might be like terribly offensive to someone else in a different culture and, and vice versa, things that they do over there that we're like, what the hell are they doing? You know what I mean? So it's just crazy. Um, I guess we should probably like just get into that because I I know I I talked to you about this whenever we were kind of going over the outline of what we wanted to talk about uh, tonight. And I wanted you, cause you're a big world traveler. Obviously you just said like you've gone to Germany multiple times and, um, and you and I have had discussions on this and like my wife involved too, Sarah, cause she's like, you know, she wants to travel and and I'm, I'm always the guy that's just like, I just want to stay here. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want to go anywhere. I'd love to see Germany. I'd love to see Ireland, Italy, France, all those places, but I just don't have like the desire to go or like, you know, and it seems like you always have the, like the itch to like, you want to go explore and stuff. I just want you to kind of sell me like, what would I, what am I missing? Number one, by like not going and like, What's the the most valuable part of going over to those places, you know, in your opinion? Oh, God. Well, I mean, you sort of said it yourself earlier. Um, You know, it's uh, given our world today, it's very important, I think, to uh, to connect with other people and sort of get an idea, um, you know, how they live. Um, Learning another culture and appreciating what they have and appreciating what you have, you know, because there's a lot of stuff in the U.S. that I think people don't realize we have that no one else has. 
So, you know, when you travel, you meet people that you would never, ever meet. And, you know, I think for, for, you know, at a time, I think it's good for someone to put themselves in a spot that they're not a norm, you know, put themselves in a spot where they are sort of the outlier and you're the black sheep. And I mean, when you're traveling, if, if, you know, if you're an American and you're acting like an American, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. And not that it's a bad thing, but you're going to put yourself in a spot where you are not the norm. And that's, that's good. I think it, you know, to me, I think that's a good way to, to sort of understand uh, or overcome misunderstandings, I should say, of, you know, what other people and how they live. Um, because, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. It, you know, people are so fearful to go over there or to travel or to leave our country. And, you know, U.S. is great, but um, you can learn a lot of things from other countries, too. And, um, you know, I think when you have that understanding, you're not going to be so fearful or, or you're even, even more appreciative of where you live. Um, you know, so, so I highly recommend anyone to get a passport as soon as, you, you know, COVID restrictions are fully lifted and you can really appreciate and, um, you know, enjoy the traveling, um, you know, get out there because, uh, whether it's Europe or, or Asia or Africa or any of the continents, um, you know, you, you learn so much when you travel and, and you learn about, you know, yourself. I think it's great when you go over there and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Where, where do I go? I don't even speak their language, but you know, if you take the time to learn their language and you're leaving just a few words and try to connect with people and kind of find out, you know, Hey, what, where are you from? Where have you, how long have you lived here? And, um, tell me about your family. And, you know, it's, it's so funny. You can connect with people so easily, um, and, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's amazing when you travel, I think everyone should be, uh, you know, making those bridges across, not trying to, to build walls and trying to be secluded and, and you're all connected in some fashion in the world. So, right. um, yeah. And I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, and I know you, you weren't speaking uh, to me specifically, but I, I'm not fearful or anything of going over there. I'm just like, I just, I I don't have it in me. I think it would be definitely rewarding for me and I would appreciate going and I would really love it and really enjoy it. And to your point, like you grow a lot as an individual when you put yourself out of your comfort zone. So I understand that. Like, cause uh, you know, Sarah has told me a bunch of times, like when she would be studying abroad over there in Germany and she's like going places and they don't speak the language or, or like, you know, you don't, it, that, that gives me a little bit of anxiety at times, but I think you like learn it, like you said, and you'll, you would, you know, grow as an individual. And it's not something that I would ever write off. I think I definitely want to do it. It's just like to this point in my life, I never really have. I've only, you know, as far as being out of the country, I've been to like the Bahamas and Canada, if you want to consider those. I mean, they're out of the country technically, but not really much of a different culture shock. You know what I mean? Like, so, uh, but it's something that I, I definitely would want to get involved in. And I know in the past, you know, we've talked about doing almost like a, I don't know how it would work now with kids and, and families getting bigger and stuff like that. But like a, like a couple's trip, almost like something like that. You know what I mean? If, if I went with somebody that maybe could, uh, you know, had been there or knew the ropes a little bit, like it, it was just boggled my mind to like, to hear Sarah say like, yeah, she went over there for like a whole semester or a whole summer or whatever at school. And like, just by herself. I mean, she had friends from her school there, but like, you know what I mean? You don't have family. You're not real tight with the people you go with. Like you're just going with people in your class and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, she raves about the experience and has been wanting to go back forever. So but, I just want to yeah, ask you, but that's about the best that. part. I mean, I've been over there numerous times. And, um, one of the times when I did go, uh, for a study abroad program, I, I had a whole weekend where I was on a trip with other people, but I took a weekend where it was just me. I literally, I went to Dresden, Germany 
took the train by myself, had to figure out everything by myself. I mean, I was probably 20 years old, but, um, but still it's kind of scary. Like you're, you're kind of on your own for, for a weekend, um, in a foreign country. And, uh, yeah, you kind of, you know, I had definitely a little bit of a, of a growth of a personality that weekend of just trying to, you know, be independent and, uh, and, and try to, you know, <laughs> try to find out, well, what, what do I want to do? I have all this time in the world. I can, I'm in Germany, um, and in a great city, Dresden. So, um, you know, so it's, it's, you definitely grow as a person when you, when you travel and, uh, and you learn from others. And, um, you know, especially with, um, and I'm not trying to single you out. I'm just saying that I think for most Americans, it's travel for us is just going to Disney world or, you know, somewhere else that it's not, you're not really, <laughs> you're getting an experience of, of relaxation probably, but you're not going to get what you would get if you're actually in that country. Like for instance, Disney, like my wife loves Disney. I love Disney, but it's a business. Like you're not going there to really connect with, with locals. You know, it's, um, everyone's there on vacation. Even when you go to like Epcot and you visit the countries and yeah, you're going <laughs> to drink around say, the world. Wait, you, you mean Epcot's not just like it is in, in no, the foreign No, no. And that's, that's what I mean. It's, it's, it's all fantasy. Like don't, you know, that's not, that's not a good way to think that you've, you've cultured yourself by going right. to the world showcase at Epcot. Like you gotta, you gotta go over those places. And, um, you know, it's funny. I, I can't wait to hopefully get to, to places that I never thought I would ever go to. Like I've always wanted to go to like South America. Um, uh, the middle East would be really interesting to me. I know it's, it's, um, you know, I went to like Afghanistan right now. I know that's not really not safe, but at the same time, I, I would be, I'm just so curious. Um, same with like North Korea. I, I just think that's like another planet, you know, like yeah. they're they literally in another world and, um, and be just so I watch those videos like, yeah, I don't mean to cut you off. I watch those videos all the time, like on YouTube. It, I'm fascinated from afar, I think is how I would describe myself, like of North Korea. And I've mentioned it on the podcast before. You might know this guy, but there's a guy on YouTube. His name's Drew Binsky. And he's he like he's been to every single country. I think like all 195 countries that are recognized by the United Nations, I think, is how he, he described it. Um, but like he, he documents all the videos and like how he gets his passports, his visas and all that stuff and his experiences there. And it's, dude, it's fascinating. Some of these countries is just like you said, dude, it's like a whole nother planet. It is literally like completely different. And there some of them, North Korea, you mentioned completely secluded. Like they have no idea anything that's going on in the outside world. It's, it's insane. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying I support, you know, how those people live. I mean, <laughs> right, to, right. to me, I, it's not that I don't, I don't support, um, you know how they live, but I don't really support interfering with them either. Um, you know, it's um, it, just because we have an American dream doesn't mean they have to have that American dream. Um, case in point, Afghanistan. Um, you know, so yeah, it's just to me, I just like observing and sort of learning from. Well, how do these people live? What do they do? It may not be a way that I would agree with, but I'm still interested. Um, right. Even if they're my enemy, I mean. To me, don't you want to know who you're, you're going to bomb first before you do it? I mean, at least at least kind of find out. Well, why do they live this way? You know, um, and uh, and there's probably more reason to it than you know. And um, yeah, I think I think going to those places. I, obviously, I don't want to put myself in danger, but I would be really interested and curious to see just how those places are. Um, and yeah, I watch I watch those videos too. Uh, I've seen 
you know, the people on YouTube that they, they post, I guess, as much as they can when they're like in North Korea. And it, it's, it's crazy. It's a different world. It's like, you're, you're on a different planet. So. Yeah, it's definitely fascinating, man. And that's, uh, you know, that's interesting. I definitely wanted to get your take on it. So I appreciate the, uh, the educational piece of the, the rambling bruise podcast. We can switch over and talk a little hockey now. Um, if you, if you want here, I did. So for those who don't know, uh, Jeff's the, the goaltender for the beloved muffin farmers that, uh, you know, one of the, the favorite guests of the podcast, Ray, when he comes on, we always talk about it. Um, and also you played club hockey at Miami of Ohio, um, you know, played goal your whole life. I kind of wanted to get into that because goaltending is not, I mean, I think it would be pretty fun. I, I, uh, I played lacrosse growing up and I, like my junior year, I wanted to switch and play goalie for some reason, but I, I ultimately did not. Um, and I, it was just too late in the game and I, I didn't want to make the position switch, but it's something's fascinating about playing goal. And I'm sure you feel the same way too. I kind of wanted to get your feel or get your take, I guess, how you got into playing goal, um, you know, as a young kid and how you like stuck with it and how you enjoy playing goal like today in beer league, you know, it's not, you not the best competition. It's more about the camaraderie, like being around the guys and stuff. But, you know, I'm sure like in, in the muffin farmers league and in, in C major, you know, competition level, um, you know, you're getting guys that aren't necessarily, you know, the, the best shooters, the best skaters, the best passers, things like that. So in terms of competition from what you've done in the past, you know, I just kind of want to get your feel for, you know, how you got in the goal and how much you still, you know, love playing it. Yeah. So actually let me clarify too that. Um, so yeah, I played, uh, goalie in ice hockey, um, you know, growing up, but then I was a goalie in lacrosse, um, from middle school until end of high school. And then, See, See, that's nuts to me. I, I oh wanted to do it, man, but it, it is nuts. That, like there's no, I, no pads. Like it's, yeah, I mean, you got your chest protector and stuff, I, but I did not want to do that. I mean, it was fun, but I'll never do that again. I would never recommend to anyone, but, um, and then definitely was more goal. fun to score goals in lacrosse. Yeah. Man. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah it's not, <laughs> you're just, you that's no why padding. I didn't switch. I was, <laughs> I was an attackman and I'm like, why am I switching? I'm going from shooting at the goalie and <laughs> to getting hit by people just hitting me in the chest and the shins and stuff like that. I just, you know, it wasn't wasn't for me. Yeah, and then actually, I was a goalie in soccer too, senior year. Um, so it's funny, I played goalie in three different sports. Um, soccer was actually my favorite, um, not because I was good at it. It was just because I loved the, I guess, the camaraderie that you have when you when you play. Like I didn't realize how uh, close knit a team is for soccer. Um, not that hockey isn't or lacrosse isn't, but um, but there was just something about soccer that was just. Um, well, soccer is a true team sport. You yeah, know, like it just it, yeah, it just seemed to really um, jive with me. I, I loved it, and I wish I've done it all four years of high school. I only did it for my senior year uh, because they needed a goalie, and uh, the coach was my German teacher, and um, <laughs> yeah, and he, he was uh, he's Austrian too, so he's a real real cool guy, and um, and uh, he knew I played goalie in soccer or um, lacrosse and, and hockey. So he's like, yeah, I'd love you to free to try and just come out. And, and I did and made the team, but, um, but it wasn't because of soccer skills. I just literally knew I had good reactions and I could at least play the angles and sort of know what to do. Um, right. but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, um, so it was probably what well, first, let me, actually, let me start way, way back. So I started playing hockey when I was like four or five, um, skated up on lakes in, in New Hampshire and Vermont, um, whenever we'd go up there for like vacation and stuff, um, in the winter. And, um, so I wanted to play hockey and I grew up in New Jersey and they had a lot of youth leagues out there. Um, so we played, I played out of Princeton, um, 
Princeton Day School. It's a, it's a private school just outside of Princeton University. And uh, played there growing up and uh, played all the house leagues and stuff. And then I dabbled in goalie. Um, it, it really hit me when I was at a camp one year. So this is probably like Mighty Mites. And I was at this camp and they had the goalies there too. And I remember all of them were like so goofy and just like funny and like they um, they had awesome equipment. Like it was just fun like shit, like seeing the equipment they had. And I was like, man, I really want to try this. So I, I, I would play in the house league. I would play skater, but then I'd play goalie too. So, um, so I was pretty good at it. Like naturally just kind of getting from the puck, having good reactions. Um, I was horrible at everything else, but I had good reactions. And, um, that's pretty flexible too. So, um, so that, that's sort of how I got started. And then I played for my travel team, um, out of, uh, out of Princeton day school. And then, um, probably when I was like early, early peewees, maybe squirt, I moved to Cleveland, Ohio, and then played for a travel team out there, um, for the Gilmore Academy program. And then, uh, from there went to Miami, Ohio, um, and then from there, I went to Chicago, which I stopped playing at that point. That was post-college. Uh, and then I picked it up coming to Pittsburgh because there's tons of leagues out here, and uh, and I love it. So I'll keep playing as long as I can. But, um, but yeah, goalie, I mean, it's it's one of those positions where y- you get a lot of pressure, but at the same time, you're on the ice nonstop. Um, you know, you're, you, you have a lot of uh, impact on the game. And, um, and on top of that, you've really cool equipment. So that's, that's really the reasons why I like to do it. Um, and yeah, you're always sending me specs on like new pads you're thinking about getting and stuff. It's fun. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. I'm, I'm you, you wouldn't even believe like how goalies are so, um, involved in their equipment, like how you're maintaining it or whether they're like just buying new equipment. Um, there's a Facebook group out there that's called, uh, goalie gear sluts United. And it's basically guys just like posting their gear and, Years ago, it was it was only maybe a couple hundred, a couple thousand people um, in this group, and now it's like blown up, where it's like probably close to like fifty thousand people, I think. Wow. Um, now it's more like parents and stuff, you know, <laughs> posting kids kids stuff and everything. But like still, like <laughs> it's it's you know it hasn't lost its um, its touch. It's still like uh, you know this rowdy goalie group, um, the goalie union they call it, and. Yeah. Um, and the joke, nonstop joke, is always uh, whenever you're cleaning your equipment, use cat piss. That's the uh, that's the ongoing joke. So always use cat piss to uh, to clean your equipment. Comes <laughs> I'm right just gonna out. let that one. I'm just gonna let that one float right over my head. I don't know, like, yeah, you wouldn't understand those. You're a goalie. I'm not a goaltender. Yeah, exactly, dude. I mean, I I, uh, I appreciate you know guys that, that play goal. It's the hardest position in hockey for sure. Um, and, and you mentioned this to me before. It kind of ties into your um, you know, going on about how much you love designing the pads and stuff like that and how, you know, involved the goaltenders are in their pads is like you can show some personality as a goaltender, whereas like the, a skater, like I'm just talking maybe probably at every level, but mainly like we'll speak on the NHL. You know, you see all these goaltenders with different 
pad colors, like we said, or like their masks. They all have personalized masks and stuff like that, which shows a lot of personality and stuff like that. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's not something you get a lot in hockey. Everybody's pretty much just robotic with their their style. And you're seeing a little bit more now with like Austin Matthews and those guys kind of branching out a little bit in terms of style. But it's something I think the NHL needs and should be showcased more is the personality of the players. And I think right now the goaltenders kind of are the only ones that really can do that in terms of actually like what you see on the ice. Well, goalies are very protective of that, though. Like, it's funny. Like, we kind of laugh at the skaters that are acting like they've customized their equipment. You know, whether it's a sticks or, or their skates. You know, they're kind <laughs> of adding like you know special emblems on their skates, but you can't even see that stuff. Um, right. You know, the goalie equipment you can really see, and and the mask, like especially the mask. Like that's what I love too. Um, uh, you know, growing up, masks were not really like the painted mask we're not big really until that you know early 90s mid 90s range um before that you know guys had masks obviously but they really weren't painted or they didn't have you know too too much uh to them um like gary cheevers or um trying to think way back you know guys did little things to their masks um jim rutherford i mean he was the first person to have a painted mask yeah, um, yeah. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, so it's it's um it's been there, but it really wasn't until the mid '90s where it really became like a fad. Like you're saying, like like your individual personality, right? And and seeing like John Van Beesbrook's mask, you know, the Panthers mask that he had, it was so simple but so awesome. And Mike Richter's mask with the Statue of Liberty, or Patrick Waugh's Avalanche mask. Oh, I loved Patrick Waugh. He's yeah. my favorite goaltender of all time. I was his autograph sitting right behind me on the wall where I'm at right now in my house. But yeah, he he was like the. And I don't know what you feel who the best goaltender ever is. We can get into that discussion too. But like I, he's to me, he's the best goaltender of all time. I know a lot of people point to Brodeur and his numbers and stuff, but I just liked I liked Waugh because he was like he was a little bit flashy at times too. You know, like. He'd flash his glove or the one time when he flashed his glove and he like uh, held it up in the air and he dropped it and it went in his own net in the playoffs. Like it, he paid for it with that. But like, I just, I liked, I liked that. Like his avalanche mask was so sick. Yeah. I mean, I'm all, looking at all, it right yeah, now. Cujo, um, uh, Guy Bear, like all these masks, like they were, that was like such a, a golden era in, in, in painted masks. Now it's like, yeah, there's some really cool ones. They're very um, individualistic and they're very personal, but they're so personalized and so detailed. You can't even tell what that thing is from a you know five hundred feet away. You know if you're if you're at the game, you really don't see those details unless you're really close up. Um, right. Versus those masks in the mid nineties, you could see those from a mile away, and you knew it. You knew what it was. So yeah. So I miss my favorite those. being my favorite being like a few years back when Flurry. I think it was probably twenty fifteen or twenty. No, it's probably twenty sixteen or seventeen during the back to back runs when Flurry was playing and he had like all his favorite teammates like over the course of his career's names on his mask and he had uh like Matt Niskanen's name on his mask you remember that and Niskanen got it's a Niski on it and then Niskanen had took that cross check and penalty and knocked Crosby out like in game three or game four against the Capitals and he and uh <laughs> Flurry like put a big x on it like he crossed out yeah, he put Niskanen's tape on name. it and he was just an <laughs> x yeah I, I, I don't know if it was an x from like a marker or what but it, it was like funny little stuff like that like you know, the showing the personality a little bit. I think that's awesome. But, um, you know, goaltending is, 
it, it's it's a unique for sure. Like I think only a certain breed of people can be goaltenders and successful goaltenders at that. And uh, dude, I love I love having you back there on Muffin Farmers. I know it's beer league, but we know the puck's not going to go in on a shitty goal. <laughs> so like, and as many times as our team turns that goddamn puck over, and like, I just love having you come over to the bench because I mean, you know those guys, but like me and you are good buddies, and I'm just like laughing because you're just like. I feel like you're just talking to a brick wall because you're telling guys, get it out, get it out, off the glass, blah, blah, blah. But, like, half the guys on our team, you know, it's it, we just turn the puck over. That's just what you do in beer league and C major league, basically. No, I mean, it's just the name. Every team does that. Every team is, like, barely, you know, they're hung over as hell or they're way out of shape. They can barely skate. We have seven guys, so you're on a seven-and-a-half-minute shift. And you know what I mean? It's just it, it's beer league. That's what it is. Well, it's funny. I go through a cycle every single time. Um, where it's like, it's just beer league. So I go in the game, like, I really don't care what happens. Just have fun. Don't get hurt. But then it's like, okay, like it's a little aggravating where if we can't break out the puck or, you know, we need, you know, <laughs> need some little bit of coaching. So at the intermission, like I, I probably will say something just to kind of, you know, help out. But then, then I realized the second period goes just as bad. And then I'm like, they didn't listen to anything. So then the second mission, <laughs> no, like, we heard you. We just can't, we can't second mission, I'm just like, do whatever you guys want. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah you know you know it's like that whenever uh, like the first intermission you'll come over and then the second intermission you just like skate to the other end of the ice like you don't even come over to the bench i'm like i mean what's he gonna say you know like well, it, yeah it's funny because goalies it's like they have their job like just stop the puck right like that's how it's looked at from right. a skater's standpoint so just like shut up like don't tell us what to do but at the same time goalies see a lot of things that players don't you know you get the the most perfect angle whether it's the breakout or whether it's you know the rush is coming at you um you see every little play from that perspective and you're the only person that gets that perspective um so it's funny like goalies i think make the best coaches like look at like jeff blashill in detroit he was a goalie for ferris state i think and um and yeah, he's an amazing right. coach yep. um so yeah, it just goes to show that like goalies, they they, you know, they can be goofy in times and you know definitely uh, outlier perspectives, but they have uh, a good knowledge of the game. They get what's going on out there, and um, you know, it's tough though too because you 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 have enough pressure as it is just for your own position. So like when Luongo's captain, if you remember for the Canucks uh, years back, I was yep. like, man, how do you like be a captain and be the goalie? Like I, I thought that was kind of crazy, like to to try to. You know, maybe he wanted it, but like I know, I'd rather not just. I'd rather just. You have, have enough. The, you have enough. Yeah, to focus I'd rather have on, the man, the unofficial C, like, I guess, like if that's the way to put it. But yeah, you're you're a leader in the locker room and stuff, but you're not like you don't wear the letter on your sweater. Like, right. It's, yeah. Because um, yeah, I feel like you know goalies they are in their own world to an extent, but um, you know they should be listened to when they when they do speak up because they see probably more than anyone else, even more than their coach probably sometimes that you know that that like I said that perspective you get. Um, from that level of the ice and, and from that direction, y- you definitely pick up on more, um, uh, you know, more of the, the type of the rhythm of the game or the, you know, the type of plays that are going on. Um, you know, it's funny, you, you pick up on so many little things, little plays that probably no one else sees, but then you see it. So, um, yeah, just food for thought on that. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and you, as a goaltender too, like you can, you know, I, like I said, I played lacrosse, you know, basically my whole life. Um, one of my biggest regrets is I played hockey when I was little. Uh, probably, I don't even know what, what age. I was like, a, you know, around here is like the South Point Rink Rats or whatever. But, um, you know, for a year or two, and I ended up getting hurt, not in hockey. I got hurt, like, playing just in the summers, and I ended up not going back out for it. 
and I don't know why I didn't. I think I was just going to miss time, and then I ended up playing basketball and stuff. And and I, I really wish I would have played hockey more because I really didn't skate from like you know whenever I was twelve to like twenty four, something like that. Like I just I really didn't. Um, but like you know, just being a goaltender, like you you know you, you get those you get that like the hockey IQ and you get to, you have to know like every position basically out there. I mean, it's, it's similar, like in lacrosse, like I was saying, you know, the goaltenders calling out slides, you're not doing that as much like in hockey. I mean, maybe you are, but I, you know, you don't hear it as much, you know, being a forward or being well, a it defenseman, so, but like, so much faster too. Right. Right. Yeah. Lacrosse is more set and like, you know, it's, it's a lot slower, but like you, you have to kind of know, you know, when you're going back to stop the puck, where your defensemen are, you know, the breakouts, things like that, you got to be really on your toes. And you're, it, like I said before, man, it's the most important position on the ice. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely appreciate appreciate goaltenders for sure. Um, I did. I have one thing I wanted to mention though. So you and I have talked about this, and I, and I've heard I heard this at your wedding, and I, I have to get your take on on the on the record here. So. I don't know whether it was your best man or your dad or somebody that said it at your wedding, but it, I didn't know this, and I had known you for you know multiple years. I've uh, been good buddies for a long time, but whenever you grew up, now I know you said you mentioned like you were growing up in like the New Jersey area and stuff, so it, it makes sense just based on like the geographical location of where you grew up initially. But you were a Philadelphia Flyers fan as a kid, at least you liked the Flyers, and maybe it's just because. You know, you you could only see them on TV at that time and stuff like that. The Devils, the Rangers, and the Islanders, and Flyers and stuff. You you picked one of them, but but now you're a Penguins fan, a big Penguins fan too. So like, it's it's I I just gotta get your your uh you know your thoughts on how that went down and like how you feel about you know at one point you were a Flyers fan and now you've gone to the you know you've gone to the good side, but at one point you were a fan of the dark side in my eyes. <laughs> well, yeah. There, hold on, there was a lot of rumors going around on this because. <laughs> the misconception is I was just a Flyers fan, which is not true. Um, first and foremost, my team was actually the Mighty Ducks. Um, you know, from the movies, but also just like, I don't know, there's something about, they're so 90s, you know, growing up in the 90s, like the Mighty Ducks were the most 90s team. Um, but um, but my uncle was a professor at the University of Maine, and, um, you know, he would give me, you know, Maine jerseys or, you know, just kind of, you know, updates on the team and, 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 you know, hockey cards and stuff. And Paul Korea was there and, you know, Korea was just a beast in, in college hockey. Like look up the highlights with him at Maine and it's, it's ridiculous. Like he looks like oh, McDavid yeah. out there almost like it was just such a huge difference in skill level. And, uh, and so, yeah, when he got drafted by the mighty ducks, it was like, Oh man, this is like my favorite team ever. Like it's Paul Korea, uh, my idol growing up. And then when I got, Tamu Solani and, and, um, you know, the Gihei Baron that, um, you made that great run in 2003. So like, I've always been a Mighty Ducks fan, always will be. Um, you know, that was my team growing up. That was, you know, Solani and Korea. Those were my idols growing up. So, um, so that's my number one team, but I mean, I definitely rooted for the teams around, uh, where I grew up. So, you know, Flyers, my dad worked in Philly, always got tickets. Um, my first game, uh, my first hockey game ever, professional hockey game, was Flyers Penguins, and it definitely was a year when Lemieux was not playing. So it must have been when he was hurt, whether it was in like '93 or, or you know, just during a time when he was hurt again, you know, outside the cancer um, issues that he had. But I remember it was at the Spectrum. Yager got his huge fight, got kicked out. He had the huge mullet, 
you know, that's the only thing I really remember from the game. I don't remember who even won, but um, <laughs> I was like probably like four or five. So this, this was definitely like probably 92, 93, this, this, this game that happened. Um, and um, I do know they were in their, the black jerseys with the Pittsburgh diagonal on it. Oh, um, those are sick. Yeah, so that was definitely 92, 93 then, I'm assuming, or sometime after that. That because, was, yeah. He, yeah they, because, so I don't know when they came out, um, right around then, but there was like their alternate they wore them a lot at home. I mean, on the road, because back then, the, the teams used to wear their like their dark uh, logo, or dirt jerseys on the road, and the white jerseys at home. And that's right. flip. I still consider I that know. the road jersey though too. I, I, yeah. I still have, that's been like that I since, wish like, they would do that. And I still haven't gotten over it. I know. I wish they would go back to that. Like my buddy Luke uh, pointed it out to me that it made a lot of sense. You know, I think they do it in soccer, but like the team at home already has the, you know, the advantage of being home. So you allow like the, I'm not sure how much difference it really makes Jeff, but like you allow the road teams, like at least have their colors and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's so, like you're coming into the building. That's kind of the philosophy behind it, at least from a soccer perspective. Yeah. But well, I I've like heard, it that way better to yeah, be honest. I mean, I, I've heard it as far as people that are teams that wear uh dark jerseys, like if they're all black or all like dark blue, it, it it's more intimidating apparently. Like that's the psychology behind it. I don't know how true that is, but that was just something I read. Um, that makes and, sense. Yeah, and and then there's like you know there's a lot of teams that um, you know like the Canadians or the Rangers or that you know those the dark blue or the you know the, the dark blood red or the Blackhawks or they're red. You know those are the jerseys that um, you know that really stick out for them. And uh, if you go back to like the 50s, 60s, those were actually the home jerseys. Like it's flipped a few times if you trace it back. But yeah, I mean, I, so I. Yeah, I had the Flyers as a team that I followed, um, and they were a good team. They had, you know, Lindros and LeClaire and Brendamore, um, Hextall. I mean, they had some really fun teams to watch. Um, but, like, the Rangers, of obviously, with the 94 Cup, and, and, you know, when they got Gretzky, you know, a lot of a lot of fun years for them. Um, you know, the, uh, the Islanders were still Islanders, I guess, but it was still, like, you know, you'd catch them on TV. Um and yeah, then Pat LaFontaine was a stud though back in the day. Right. Before he, was he in Buffalo after that? Yes. That? You no, know, he was in Buffalo after the Islanders. Yeah, that's um, what I thought. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. But I still remember that's who that's who Lemieux like he missed like thirty games or whatever with this cancer treatment and came back and he was like trailing LaFontaine by twenty some you know, twenty some points with like twenty five games to go or twelve games to go or something stupid, and he ended up winning the scoring title. Like after he was in cancer treatment for thirty games in ninety three, I think it was. You should. Yeah. I'll have to pull that stat up, uh, but you should definitely like if any listeners oh, out there should yeah, go look insane. at that. Yeah. Just look at what Lemieux is doing coming out of radiation treatment. Just, <laughs> I'm gonna look it up right now. I gotta see these stats. But um, but yeah, I mean, and then the, like the Devils, you know, with Berdur and and Scott Niedermeyer, Scott Stevens, I mean, winning the Cup in '95 and and all the other cups following following that, like it was just like a great place to to be a hockey fan. You had all these teams, and um, and then real quick, I'll tell this real real quick story. So I remember going to a Mighty Ducks game at at MSG for the Rangers game, and I wore my Mighty Ducks jersey. I was like probably like I don't know second grade or something like that. And I still remember uh, a big, you know, beer belly, you know, Italian stash, um, you know, beer drinking guy, um, Ranger <laughs> fan, grabbed me, literally grabbed me, grabbed my jersey. He goes, you better jer- burn that jersey, kid. 
remember I looked like I looked like uh, Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone, where he sees the uh, the guy outside, you know. <laughs> and that's what I looked like. I like had that crazy face on me. I'm like, <gasps> and and I just I just yeah I just remember like I will never forget how crazy the fans are out there. Like whether it's a Rangers fan, Devils fan, Flyers fans, like there's so much pride in those in those cities and those teams. So I think that's something to say that like you know when you're in that area like it is something that it's a you know it goes to show what you can um you know when you see how those fans act uh and and you know the i guess the bloodlines i mean it goes through generations for some of these teams like you know the rangers for instance you got generations worth of fans and um you know just i don't know it just goes to show like there's a lot of uh, a lot of good fans out on the east coast um but when i moved to cleveland it was just before the first lockout the 05 lockout Mm-hmm. And there was no, I mean, first off, there's not, there's no team in Cleveland. Uh, closest teams are like Detroit, uh, Pittsburgh. And at the time Columbus was just getting a team. They had just either were getting it or just gotten it. Um, but either way, the lockout happened. <laughs> so there was no hockey anyways. Um, and uh, so I didn't really have a team to really like watch. Um, other than um, I had been to, to Pittsburgh for a Pens game Um we go out there for like a hockey tournament here and there. And, um, and I remember 2002, 2003, there was this really good young goalie coming out of juniors out of uh, Cape Breton, uh, out of the queue. And it was Mark Andre Fleury. And I was like, Oh man, this guy's like really fun to watch. Like I remember reading goalies world. It was a, it was a magazine at the time. Um, uh, amazing magazine actually. And, uh, I remember them doing a lot of articles on him and just kind of like showing like stat updates and stuff like that. And, uh, and I just remember all this hype around him, and I was like, "Man, I gotta! I really want to watch this guy." And when he got drafted by the Penguins, I immediately was like, "I gotta get out to a game and watch him." And uh, and so my buddy, who was living in Cleveland at the time, yeah, he, uh, he played hockey, lacrosse, and soccer with me. Actually, he was uh, originally from Fox Chapel, and he um, he said, "Hey, I'm gonna go out to go back to Pittsburgh for a weekend, or for a night even, actually." do you want to come, come with me? And I said, yeah, for sure. Like, let's catch a game and, and, you know, show me the city. And, uh, and so we went to uh, a game and I got to see flower play and, and, um, yeah, immediately like those yellow pads and just the style he plays. I was just a, a fan instantly. And, and that's what got me kind of sucked into the pens and, and sort of what they were doing at the time, which was <laughs> at the time, at the time was to suck, but to get good draft picks too. Um, so, you know, drafting Malkin, drafting Crosby, Talbot, Whitney, Armstrong, Orpik, uh, Malone, like all those guys and, and stall stall. Yeah. Stall Latane. But I'm saying like, like 2004, 2005, like those early years when they were still really not that good, but they're drafting these guys that were all new, like, you know, the same age and they're all growing up together on this team. It, It was just, that was such a fun time to be a Pens fan. And I had just started, um, you know, for more or less that, that was like, you know, just as I was starting to be a Pens fan, but it was a perfect time because those guys were, um, one, they were just a little bit older than me. So it was kind of fun to like, look up to these guys, but two, <laughs> yeah. um, it was fun to, to see the team grow and get better. You know, like even when they got Sid, that first year was really bad. still, and, uh, and the next year I think they made the playoffs, right? They did, yeah, because um, Crosby only has only missed the the playoffs once. The second year was when Malkin came, and he missed like the first six games of the year. But yeah, he, uh, and that, but that was the, the then they went on. Yeah, but that was the, that it was, was the, uh 
it was oh six oh seven. Yeah, or, so yeah. They, it, they ended up getting smoked by the Senators in the first round of the playoffs, and then the next year they went to the Cup final. Right. Yeah. Oh, oh five oh six. Uh, Sid's first year they didn't make it. Oh six oh seven. They they did. Yeah, I think got smoked by the Sens, which they yeah. went, Sens ended up going to this final. So it's not like to say anything bad about them. But yeah, was that was that the year that Alfredson took a slapper at Scott Niedermeyer? In yeah. The- yeah, it, it was. I will never forget that. I remember watching that oh, live. One of the dirtiest things I've ever seen in my life. At yeah. the end of the period, guys, like he just in the neutral like the, zone. Like, in the neutral zone, like the is the end of the second period or something like that. He just he could have just like skated and chipped it in deep, and the buzzer goes off. He turns, completely angles himself, winds up and takes a slapper from like twenty feet away at one of the best defensemen probably ever to play, Scott Niedermeyer. So like, just one of the dirtiest things ever. You should check that out on YouTube, dude. I, I just looked up this stat too, Jeff. <laughs> that I was mentioning before about Lemieux and LaFontaine. So Lemieux in 1992-93, he missed, let's see, 23 games uh, undergoing his treatment for Hodgkin's disease. And when he came back, Pat LaFontaine had a 12-point lead in the scoring race with, let's see, how many, uh, 15 games to go, okay? He had a 12-point lead. (laughs) Lemieux racked up 46 points, 22 goals and 24 assists over the next 15 games. (laughs) It came back and won the scoring title in 92-93. 46 points in 15 games is just stupid, especially when you consider the guy had missed the previous 23 games going through chemotherapy and treatment for Hodgkin's disease. Unbelievable. I mean, it, he's a, it, it's kind of plagued the Penguins. Even You could look at Crosby, Malkin in this era and stuff too, but like, if Lemieux would have stayed healthy, there's no doubt in my mind he would have been he would have had more points probably I think than Wayne Gretzky and maybe even more goals. I mean the dude was the most talented player probably I've ever seen and I, I only saw him like so I was born in '91 so by the time I could pretty much remember what was going on, you know he was kind of he retired in '97 for the first time so I saw him for a couple years and then obviously when he came back in 2000 and you know and he played up he played a little bit with Sidney Crosby in 2005. He he wasn't himself. He was still unbelievably productive compared to the other guys in the NHL, but he wasn't as explosive just based on the injuries and and everything that he'd gone through. But if he would have been able to stay healthy, man, it's it just it's almost like a what could have been with Lemieux. And I I don't want to get too much down that rabbit hole because we had a lot to cover for the current NHL season. But I just wanted to point that out. That stat is just ridiculous. You know, forty six points in fifteen games and come back to win the scoring title after being down by twelve. And poor Pat Lafontaine probably thought he was going to get an Art Ross trophy, but didn't happen <laughs> yeah I, I wish i would have gotten to see me play more not because of um uh you know I, I was old enough to really know who he was but I, I never got to see him on tv like it was i wasn't local so i never got to see really the pens play too much and um it's a shame like he's one of the greatest players ever um if not the best and um yeah it's it's uh it's amazing all the things that he was able to do amongst all the different obstacles he had to go through and the NHL, you know, where it was at the time, um, you know, especially late nineties, early two thousands, when it was the clutching, grabbing, tripping, hooking, all that stuff that was not called. So yeah, it's, it's amazing what he's done and, and, and then what he's done for the city, what he's done for, um, you know, the Lemieux foundation. Um, and then as an owner too, I mean, it's, it's, the guy's going to be a legend forever. So He's the most he's the most influential athlete and the most important athlete in Pittsburgh sports history, if you ask me. You just mentioned it, man. Like he saved the Penguins in nineteen eighty four. He saved them again in, you know, two thousand six or seven, whenever they were threatening to move to Kansas City based on the arena deal and the low attendance. 
Um, you know, thank God Pittsburgh was smart enough and the state of Pennsylvania was smart enough to do that because the amount of revenue this city has made based on, we just went through the draft picks, but all those guys, like you said, growing up at the same time, you knew that team was going to be a dynasty. Like you just knew it. Like they had, you know, like we talked about it, Malkin, Crosby, you know, all those guys, Flurry, you know, those guys all growing up together, top tier picks, you know, and Lemieux saved them from that. And then now, you know, just being one of the best owners and, and contributing, getting, giving back to the city, doing all his, um, you know, you know, 6.6 K's, I think that is with the Mario Lemieux foundation. I just played in a Mario Lemieux foundation golf tournament a couple of weeks ago. So just a lot of stuff he does around the city. Um, he's the man, you know, the goat, I think, um, obviously you can look at Gretzky's numbers and look at Gretzky's production and his four Stanley cups and stuff like that. But, um, you know, to me, I think Mario Lemieux is the best hockey player ever. I think Gretzky is the most productive hockey player ever. But I digress from that. I do want to get into a little bit of current NHL. Um, so I want to get your take on on Jack Eichel's situation, man. He so uh, he got his captaincy stripped from him. I think people probably aren't too surprised by that. He doesn't want to play in Buffalo. Why are they going to keep him as the captain? He failed his physical. Obviously, he hasn't been able to get the surgery he wants or the surgery the Sabers want. Um, I saw the other day that uh, the Buffalo Sabres are finally doing what St. Louis has done when Vladimir Tarasenko made a trade request. Is they're actually letting other teams see Jack Eichel's medical records? And teams like the Rangers have come out and said, you know, according to reports, that they'll let Jack Eichel get whatever surgery he wants as long as he gets in the door over there in New York. Um, so, I wanted your take on on Jack Eichel. Where do you think it goes from here? And and just like the overall saga of like how how this has all played out because to me personally it makes the buffalo sabers look stupid looks it looks bad you know their best player their captain how they're treating them and then we'll talk about robin leonard in a minute but robin leonard's come out when he was there and he said you know the medical staff there is pretty much the shits you know like <laughs> they just they don't know what they're doing um they don't have the players best interest at heart sometimes the team doctor is more focused on you know what's best for the team and his job as opposed to the players so i wanted to get your take on on the whole eichel uh saga going on uh, right now. yeah i mean it's a pr nightmare for the for the sabers whether it's true or not you know it's still a pr nightmare um and uh and it's, yeah it's a tough situation for both parties um because here i mean you go back a couple of years ago and uh when it was that mcdavid uh, lottery and eichel was second um you know buffalo was still happy to get eichel like it was still someone that was going to help save the franchise and uh and look, it's what happened. I mean, it's not nearly gone as well as, uh, or as, as bad as, or should I, say, hey, I should say it this way. It's gotten much worse than anyone's ever anticipated. Um, you know, they didn't probably expect to win a cup or something like that maybe, but, you know, at least make the playoffs, at least kind of, you know, get the team in the right direction. Um, and Buffalo has this huge fan base that is so passionate, maybe not outside of Buffalo, but in Buffalo, they are so passionate over there. And um, it's a shame that that's where, you know, where it's gone because, yeah, stripping the C, the failed physical, you know, the back and forth, Eichel uh, fires agent, and it's just drama after drama after drama. And it's like, yeah, where does it go next? I think it's definitely going to be, he's going to be leaving. Um, and I think, I don't think Buffalo's going to be as picky as maybe, um, as people think, um, you know, like Taylor Hall or something like that, that, you know, they seem really picky. I, I, I honestly, I think they both parties just want to move on. Um, and, and that's for the best. I mean, it's also not good for the league to lose a player like Eichel 
to not be playing and, and, and have all those dramas too. So. In an Olympic year too, man. Yeah. Like that sucks. Cause he would, he'd be a prominent player on team USA. And like, if, if Buffalo doesn't want him to get that surgery and I've gone over it on previous episodes, we don't need to dive into the specifics of the surgery, but like, you know, what, wh- what's the, Wait, what's preventing them from just saying to Jack, like, hey, if you want this surgery, sign this waiver. If you sign this waiver, then, like, you're, you know, I don't even know if you'd be able to do it with the players' union, but maybe the union would agree if Jack's really adamant about it. But, like, your, your contract is either voided or we don't owe you the money if you can't play again. You know, like, if something went wrong, like, something like that. It just seems like, to me, it's very, very hard to wrap my head around. Like, I appreciate Jack Eichel taking his life after hockey into consideration because that the fusion surgery that you know Peyton Manning had would be something similar I think I think Peyton Manning's was in his neck but like you know something similar where you have to have surgeries you know every 10 years or so is kind of what has been presented to Jack Eichel like it'll work now he'll be able to play but like every 10 years for the rest of his life he's gonna have to have something fixed and you know he doesn't want that because he thinks this other surgery can you know set him up and he won't have to have any any surgeries pretty much unless something goes wrong. So like, it's hard for me to wrap my head around a team. And I understand they invest millions of dollars in these guys, but like, you know, at the end of the day, it's his body. I mean, I, you know, it's just, it's difficult for me to wrap my head around it. And like you said, it's a PR nightmare. Obviously everybody's going to side with the player. In this case, I think it's right. Um, I'm not saying Jack Eichel and his camp have handled it perfectly. I think, you know, probably this could have been resolved a long time ago and maybe it's faults on both sides, but you know, we're in training camp and the season starts on the 12th, you know, so this upcoming Tuesday, so probably a day or so after this podcast drops and Jack Eichel's still a Buffalo Sabre. He still hasn't had the surgery. He still can barely skate. He's not training. You know, who knows when he's going to come back. And like, I feel like this could have all been resolved months ago and you feel bad for Jack Eichel. I don't feel bad for the Buffalo Sabres. I do feel bad for their fan base. Like you said, one of the best fan bases in the league. They deserve a winner. Uh, that year with McDavid, they had the worst record. They probably should have got the number one overall pick. Somehow, you know, quote unquote, somehow Edmonton got it again. Um, and I've been over that with the, you know, my thoughts on that whole thing. And I don't want to get into that, Jeff, but like how it's unfortunate, in my opinion, that Connor McDavid's an Edmonton Oiler for the NHL. Like if he was a player... You know, playing for Buffalo or playing for somebody in the Eastern time zone where the mainstream people could see it, the East Coast could see him. Because luckily TNT smartened up and they're going to put McDavid on uh, national TV six times this year. I don't know how many times ESPN's going to, but he just gets lost in the shuffle. If you're a true hockey fan, you watch McDavid. But like the casual fan doesn't get to see one of the most electric players. And you know, I feel bad for Buffalo, honestly. I know I'm rambling here. It is the Rambling Bruce podcast, but I just... I feel bad for the fans of Buffalo. I wish this whole saga would be over. It's a black eye for the NHL right now. Um, I just, you know, I feel for for Jack, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, I really can't speculate on what's going on behind the scenes because I'm sure there's going to be a lot more that comes out. But, yeah, right. terrible situation. And um, But, yeah, right with McDavid, I mean, they got to market him as much as they can. I remember watching him when he played uh, for Erie um, in the OHL. Mm-hmm. And... He was unbelievable. I remember this one game I watched. It was just, I, I didn't even watch the play. I watched where he was going. Like, I just watched him the entire time. Um, you know, every time he was out there, I, I didn't watch the puck. I was watching where he was going. And he was just another level, totally different level than everyone else. And you just knew he, this guy was going to be a stud. And um, 
Oh, he was a can't I, I've been saying prospect. I've been saying for years, like it's not a knock on anyone else in the league, including Crosby and, and McKinnon and um, you know, Dreisaitl and those guys. But to me, McDavid has been the best player in the league for the past couple of years, I would say. Yeah, so you and I have had conversations on that, man. I, and I, I tend to disagree just in a sense. I, I agree with you in a sense that he's the best, like he's the most productive player uh, by far. He's the most electric player to watch. Um, so I can see why you say he's the best player, but to me, at some point, the best player has to deliver. I understand his team's not the greatest, and Crosby had a better situation than him. Um, you know, but Crosby obviously delivered. I think McKinnon's starting to deliver. I, what, I mean, I can't knock McDavid. You can't knock him. He's he can't do everything. I mean, their organization in Edmonton is not the most well run. Um, they tend to make a lot of bad decisions at times. And I still think this year, and we'll get into the divisions in a minute, but like the their goaltending is still a big question mark. Um, so I'm not sure they're going to do any better this year. And when do you think he asks out? Honestly, I mean, it, maybe he won't. Maybe that's not his personality. But I think a guy like him wants to be one of the best players ever. And I think when it's all said and done, he'll go down as that. I think he'll finally get over the hump, whether it's in Edmonton or somewhere else. But at the end of the day, like right now, if you had to tell me, if you had to take right now, I would probably... And I'm gonna I'm gonna take age out of it because obviously like you want to go younger, but I personally I would take Nathan McKinnon over over uh, Connor McDavid. I just think McKinnon's more of an all around player. I think you know McDavid needs to work a little bit on his, and he has he's admitted it too, and he's been working with Gary Roberts in the off season the last few years, um, pretty much since he was like 16. I'm pretty sure. So he's got a lot of good training and stuff, but in his own end, and he spends like maybe maybe this is a stupid take. And maybe you disagree with it, but like, you know, I could, I, I think he probably should, you know, maybe focus a little bit more on his faceoffs, a little bit more on the defensive side of the puck, um, because his offense is there. His, he's, he's can outskate anybody in the NHL. He's going to get his 120 points. You know, maybe he sacrifices a few points to, to focus a little bit more on the defensive side of the puck because, and not because he needs to, but because like, the team needs him to, you know what I mean? Like they don't have the defensive, they don't have the defenseman. They don't have the goaltending. They, like Crosby had that. He had flurry, like one of the best goaltenders of all time. They, he had great defense. They had Gontrard, they had Latang. They had a great team. So like, it's a different situation to try to compare Crosby, you know, at, at 26 years old to McDavid at 26. But at the end of the day, man, at some point, if you're the best player in the NHL, you got to deliver. You got to win more than one playoff series. You can't miss the playoffs. You can't get swept by the Winnipeg Jets in a bubble. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, you, yeah, it, you, it's that can't happen. Yeah, I mean, it definitely shows you know, the guys that um, you know make it to the to the finals or, or you know these deep playoff runs. Um, you know, that's something to be said. Um, but at the same time, you're right. It's it's still a team game, and you're going to have to have that supporting cast. I think the way I look at it for how I sort of judge who the best players in the league are are. Uh, are, are sort of how they think, how they think about the game. And um, and I, I literally put Sid and McDavid in their own department of that. Like, McKinnon's a great player, but he just doesn't think the game that the, the way that uh, McDavid or, or Sid does. Um, there's times where I, I think McDavid's one of the best players, you know, the way he he's uh, he so explosive, you know, stops and starts and, the way you can find guys, and, and you're right, the way you can just shoot off the rush. But I just think McDavid or Sid are just on a totally different level from from um, you know an IQ, hockey IQ standpoint. Um, 
Yeah, I, and I, on top I of that, that, on top of that, they're also amazing players. Because I think there's a lot of players that do have the hockey IQ, but they're not as good. Um, what's key is I think you have Sid and McDavid as two of the best players in, in you know their actual skills and and uh, you know their assets of being a great player, but also the hockey IQ part. That's how I sort of look at it. Yeah, and Crosby still, I think you know people. So people get caught up in you know, points and stuff, and, and Crosby really never has. I mean, obviously, I'm sure he wants to win the scoring title every year. He wants to be as productive as possible. He won't ever say that out loud. He wants to win team, you know, team trophies and stuff. I get that, but, you know, like you said, man, his hockey IQ, the way he makes players better, that's the other thing about McDavid. He does make players better, I think. Um, I just think Crosby does it, and, and, and Crosby does it better than him. I mean, Crosby made Chris Kunitz into an Olympic gold medalist, uh, Pascal Dupuis into a serviceable player. I mean, he played well. You know, serviceable might be, you know, you know doing a disservice, I should say, to Pascal yeah, I mean, he, Dupuis. He made both those guys solid wingers, especially Dupuis, which was you know a throwaway right. in the trade for uh, for Hosa. Um, it's amazing to think Dupuis was just like a fourth line fringe player, and the next thing you know, he's next playing thing, yeah, he's, twenty-two he's minutes a night with Sidney Crosby. Oh, yeah, he's one of, the, <laughs> one of the best 50 wingers points. to have in, in the NHL. Yeah. Um, and Kunis is always, I think, a solid winger, but he went to another level of Sid. So yeah, and 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 I'm waiting for McDavid to do that. But honestly, he hasn't had what Crosby's had to work with. I will admit that he's got. We'll see if Jesse Puljujarvi can can do well this year. Um, you know, finally getting a full season. Kind of, he had a little bit of some some rift with the Edmonton Oilers organization a little bit. He wanted to stay in Finland or whatever, and like, you know, he, he had uh, like Patrick Maroon on his wing, Dominic Cahoon, Milan Lucic. Like th- that's the other thing. It goes back to the you know how the you know how inept the Edmonton Oilers organization is to me. I mean, they they have Drysaitel at a ridiculously valuable contract, eight and a half million dollars for that production is insane. But McDavid's making twelve and a half million. He's worth every penny and probably then some. But they got to do well to get some players around them. I mean, they're just wasting their time, wasting their prime, and it's sad to see because I honestly I don't see them winning in Edmonton, and it's only a matter of time to me before McDavid says, "Get me the hell out of here." Um, but I did want to shift over and talk about some extensions in the NHL and and your boy uh, down there in Florida, in Sunrise, Florida, Alexander Barkov today actually Sasha. signed a. Yeah, Sasha Barkov signed a contract extension, a great deal, eight years, ten million a year, worth every penny and then some. Just like McDavid, one of the best, one of the most underrated players in the National Hockey League. He took a discount um, too, I think. Yeah, but they got that no state tax in Florida. That's how. That's like how Tampa Bay is able to get Kucherov at nine and a half million. I mean, Barkov's making ten million. Is he a better player than Kucherov? It's probably a toss up. I'd take either one of them. I think Barkov's a better defensive player, probably more hockey IQ. But Kucherov, same thing like we talked about with McDavid. He's more explosive. Um, you know, he's he's electric. But that Florida has that advantage, and like Texas and Vegas and some other states have that advantage where they can pay guys a little bit less. I remember when Steven Stamkos was a free agent and Toronto was pursuing him, they'd have to pay him like $11.4 million a year for him to make the same amount of money take home as he would make if he made $9 million a year in in uh, Tampa, so like, yeah, you know, the Florida has that advantage, but I think that's an all-around great deal, and I look for Florida to be pretty good this year. Well, it's also too, I think, um, yeah, that's you know the tax break, yeah, that's nice, but I think it still comes down to well, what what sort of organization are you staying with? And no offense to the Panthers, but they probably weren't a go-to organization a couple of years ago. I think they definitely turned it around, um, but you know they probably don't have as good of 
facilities or you know support system for their players is maybe like the penguins who are just top notch or the canadians or maple leaves you know right um but yeah so (laughs) this ties back to our you know who my favorite teams are you know i love almost every single team in the nhl minus a few like it's actually better to probably bring up the teams i don't like um, because after that, there's a lot of the teams I do like just for certain reasons. Um, but right. the Panthers were, were another team I liked growing up, uh, because of the Beezer. Um, but also my grandparents were down there. So they always give me like Florida Panthers, you know, hats, t-shirts, all that stuff. But, yeah. um, but I, I love watching the Panthers growing up, especially when that 96 cup run. Um, then they got BRA too in the, in the 2000s. So that was really fun to see BRA, you know, playing at really his pinnacle, uh, part of his career there. And, um, yeah, and then watching Luongo and and uh, you know they got Ekblad, they they drafted Barkov, they drafted Huberdo, uh, they got a bunch of other really good young players right now. Uh, Anton Blundell, uh, Spencer Knight, Mackenzie Weegers gonna be a good defenseman. So yeah, oh, I, I, I just think they're game, man. I love yeah, I just think game. they're yeah they're an exciting team to watch in the past couple of years. They they really didn't probably get enough attention until last year, but the year before the the COVID hit. They they were on a roll. People don't realize how good they were playing, um, and and then COVID hit, of course. Um, but they were, I mean, they were coming back from games or you know down five to one, four nothing, and and coming back to win games. So, um, so that's where I you know, they remind me of the Penguins from like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, where they were you know getting these young guys, young picks, and uh, and growing um, you know naturally, and um, yeah. So Barkov to me, I think is one of the best centers in the league. He's not, not like the Selkie is a great award, but he, to me, he could be getting other awards too because he's that good. Um, he's just so shifty, you know. He's he's a big guy, but he doesn't really play physical. He's not trying to go, you know, after people. He just uses body smart. He's efficient. Um, back checks hard. Smart player. Um, Parent hit him up with Huberto. Um, it's an amazing combo to watch. I mean, that reminds me of those Korea Solane days or. Um, the Cavier St. Louis, you know, that was another dynamic duo. So, um, it's a shame that no, not more hockey fans are picking up on this because I think the Panthers are a really fun team to watch. Um, especially Barkoff. So yeah, it's dude, it's well a deserved it, extension. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it's a shame, honestly, I think too, with like the fans in Florida too. I mean, they're, they're a finicky fan base, at least for the Florida Panthers. I know Tampa Bay, my buddy Dustin lives in Tampa and, you know, no knock on them. I mean, he's a Penguins fan, so shout out to him. But there's a, I'm sure there's a lot of front running fans down there. They've been pretty good the last, you know, decade or so. Tampa Bay has. Um, in Florida, I mean, there, they it was always the running joke. I remember you guys went down there. You used to go to the Florida trip for the Penguins and watch uh, them play at Florida and at Tampa Bay. And like, you guys used to tell me you could get like all you can eat seats for thirty five bucks or something like that. Or you know, oh so, yeah, amazing so deals. It's, yeah, yeah. That's another so reason why I like that team. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know they don't know what they have and i think eventually they will um you know cuz i agree with you i think they're right on the cusp of greatness honestly uh, they're a great young team and getting barkov who is so surprising i think when people hear you know and i know this but if people like the the casual fan or the listener that doesn't follow hockey too much here's the name alexander or sasha barkov you know it's it's crazy to me that he's finnish I think he has a Russian dad, right? But like he, yeah, was, yeah, he's uh, I think some Russian heritage, but he was born in Finland and yeah. And so like it, it threw me off the first time, in like one of the world championships or whatever. I saw him playing from Finland. I'm like, what? Like why is Barkov? And it, it threw me off. But I, I think he's one of the, you know, he could like you said, he he could win the Selkie 
every year. I think it's because he's probably not as flashy, but he probably should be considered, you know, for the the Hart Trophy and should be right up there for you know MVP. Like I said, so yeah. That, not only that, but him as a person, I think he's so humble and so um, you know soft spoken, just down to earth. Um, that's the type of captain that I think is is perfect for that environment, but also just that's my style. Like I like I like captains like that. I don't necessarily need. Um, you know, these gung-ho captains, you know, and, and, uh, so I, I respect him a lot as a player, as a person. Um, Hell yeah. but, but yeah, but it's, it's amazing that, you know, the, you look at the lightning and the Panthers, I mean, they both joined more or less around the same time. I mean, it was just a couple of years difference. I think it was like 91 for the lightning, 93 for the Panthers, I want to say, but the lightning have established a strong fan base. Like they've, Regardless of how they're playing, I mean, they've done a good job of, of keeping a good fan base. Yet the Panthers have it, you know, and I think that's more of a the ownership issue. I don't think it's necessarily the, on the players. I think it's just the way that the ownership was building the brand. Um, and it's a business at the end of the day, right? It's at that less, highest level, NHL level, it's a business. And um, yeah, and I, I mean, they the won. Lightning, yeah, the Lightning knew how to make that into a business. The the Panthers, they, they didn't, and uh, they're just starting to get into that. I think they're doing it the right way. They're really building the youth programs. Um, they're trying to get you know fans involved, trying to kind of make their own unique uh, niche of, of of a fan base. You know, kind of incorporating kind of like a Miami style type of uh, atmosphere in the stadium, and and you know those types of um, you know fan appreciation nights, I guess. But um, but they're on the right track. So it's gonna be really fun to see those two teams play. Um, in the same division this year now, um, not they were, I guess they were last year too, but you know, just a normal environment. Back to normal schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and then also too, to see, you know, you have Vasilevsky and Bobrovsky, two of like the best Russian goalies in the past decade. And, uh, you get to see them night in, night out on top of that. There's other, you know, vast number of players on both teams that you're going to be wanting to watch. So, um, so definitely, yeah, definitely fun to watch those two teams go at it. Um, you know, multiple times throughout the season, it's it's amazing. I think if if you're just a hockey fan in general, you got to catch those games because they're amazing to watch. Yeah, definitely that rivalry. I mean, they they played in the preseason the other night. I'm pretty sure, and there was a like a line brawl in the third. Yeah, like, yeah, they well, were, they were... yeah. The Bolts took uh, took a nice little spanking to them, but um, but yeah, it's it's great. You, 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 even the playoffs last year when they met. Um, oh, that was a hell of a series, dude. That yeah, was one of the it, best for a first round series. I wish it could have been a you know final series, but it it wasn't. But um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Everyone thinks, okay, Bruins, Rangers or Penguins, Flyers or Habs, Canadians or, um, Habs, Leafs. Um, but the Bolts and, uh, and Cats, I mean, that's getting, yeah, it's getting to be a really fun rivalry to watch. So definitely tune in for, for those games. Yeah, dude, I, I really enjoy it. And I think with Tampa Bay, I mean, you mentioned their fan base, you know, their success. I think three Stanley Cups will do that. Um, you know, 04 in, in the last two years. And, and also, like, that that plays into what you said about the ownership. I mean, the ownership group has done everything they can to build a, a top contender there. Um, obviously, they've had great general managers and great coaches with, uh, you know, Stevie Y and, and uh, you know, just, just great people in that organization. And, and I think Florida's right there. I think they got a new owner now or in the last couple of years who's kind of, you know, or at least – you know the ownership group has adjusted and and they want to win they they don't want to just turn profits they want to be one of the best teams in the NHL and I think they've got the roster to do it man they've got a great great young roster so I'm pretty excited to see how how their season goes this year and hopefully they won't uh or hopefully they can build upon like you mentioned you know whenever the covid hit that year they can build upon that they get a full season 
and and they can you know run away with that division or at least be a threat to win that division because I think that division's wide open. We'll get to the divisions here in a minute in our, in our breakdown in terms of who we think is going to win each division. But um, a couple other signings I, I wanted to talk about just real quick to the Vancouver Canucks, who I think are going to have a breakout year this year. They finally signed uh, Quinn Hughes, their stud defenseman. Um, he ended up getting six years, I believe, seven point eight five million per year. And then they had uh, Elias Pettersson, also the same same team, the young centerman, stud centerman from Sweden. He got a three-year deal, bridge deal, is $7.35 million. So I think at the end of Pettersson's deal, he'll still be a restricted free agent. So they have some control on him. But at, at the end of Quinn Hughes' deal, he's going to be – this is crazy, Jeff. So he just signed a six-year, $47.1 million deal. He's going to be 27 when he's an unrestricted free agent. Imagine the amount of money that guy's going to get. Quinn Hughes at 27 years old as an unrestricted free agent. I mean, he's going <laughs> to, that might be a hundred million dollar contract. Good for him. He's going to be unrestricted too. So, you know, um, you know, Vancouver may end up losing him, but I think, you know, and some people knock him. Uh, I just drafted him on the fantasy squad. So I'm pretty excited to see how he does, but you know, some people knock him cause he's not the best player in terms of defense, but his production on offense is great. He's great on the power play. He's a one man breakout to be honest. Um, and those guys don't grow on trees, but you know, those are two guys I think that the Canucks had to get signed before uh, the season started, obviously. It sucks they missed a little bit of camp, but Quinn Hughes scored a goal in his first preseason game last night, so um, I was happy to see that. And Pedersen, I think he'll pick up right where he left off. But those guys are 22 and 21 and now worth, you know, 40, 30, $40 million apiece. So what's your take on those two guys in, in the Vancouver Canucks? Oh, yeah. I mean, Hughes is a stud, I think. Um, maybe he's not blocking shots and these huge hits or anything like that but he is just such a smart defenseman um you know impactful just on a breakout for instance like he he's gonna help um make the forwards better even from the back end um and then i mean you think of the canucks too from a couple years ago um i think it was vegas that they played in in the playoffs point that like the before they got knocked out i think they played vegas for um that like COVID tournament style playoffs. Yeah. in the bubble. Yeah. Yeah. If you remember, they looked so good. I, I thought they looked like they had this extra gear, all these young guys. I, I just thought the Canucks were going to be unbelievable the next year. And they came out flat. Like they just, they weren't the same team. I don't know why I, I, I wish I had more information on it, but they just didn't have a great year. I thought, um, so yeah, I would expect them for this year to be, um, you know, taking that next step because um, they have the pieces there. Uh, Thatcher Demko, I think, is a great goalie. Um, you know, JT Miller, um, uh, Bozer, and and uh, Horvat. Um, you know, Hughes. I mean, they got uh, Oliver Ek- Ekman. Uh, yeah, they got Ekman Larson uh, now. From, Larson, from yeah. So, like, they they yeah, they have all the pieces. I think and. Um, and the youth, I mean, it's just that like extra gear. I'm saying that you get that from the youth. So, um, you know, all their players, you know, Patterson, they're all young still, and uh, it's just a matter of can they stay healthy? Because you know, whether it's Patterson or Hughes, um, yes, you know, they they do get injured, you know. So, yeah, just like every other team, if you can avoid the injury bug, that's a huge, you know, huge gift at the end of the day. So, yeah, hundred percent, man. I, I look for them to have a, a nice breakout year, as I mentioned, and. I'm happy to see those guys get get signed, and I think the most notable uh, restricted free agent still yet to be signed, so we'll see how it happens, is uh, Brady Kachuk. 
in Ottawa. So I think uh, from whatever what I've seen, rat. yeah, I'd love to have Kachuk. Either one, Matthew, probably Matthew. I, more. I than hate Andy, him, but you're but, right. I would love him if he was on my team. <laughs> yeah, 100%. He's an absolute rat, but he can score. Uh, and, and both him and his brother are just savages. But he's uh, reportedly he wants a bridge deal, like a two or three year deal, and I don't blame him because those guys want to wait till the the salary cap goes up a little bit. But honestly, man, I don't think the salary cap's going up anytime soon. I'm pretty sure the players, based on the collective bargaining agreement, they owe the owners a lot of money based on the last year and a half of the the lost revenues from the NHL, and they have to make up for fifty percent of it. So, not to get too nerdy on the collective bargaining agreement, but from everything I've read, like. I'm pretty sure the salary cap's going to go up like $1 million per year probably for the next decade. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the, the player. They're going to have to renegotiate or something because I don't think the players could ever make that back. But we'll see what Brady Kachuk uh, signs for because the Senators want him at least for a six- or seven-year deal. If they can get him an eight-year deal like they got with Thomas Shabbat, their uh, young stud defenseman, they'd be happy to do that. But I could see, uh, honestly, Brady Kachuk, his dad, Big Walt, Keith Kachuk uh, held out. Matthew Kachuk, his older brother, held out in Calgary, and now he's holding out too. So that must be the Kachuk way, but they eventually get it done, and they're worth every penny to me, to be honest, as we mentioned. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. And then uh, I wanted to mention well, too, like, go ahead. I'm well, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, for the salary cap, you're right. Like, it's definitely flat. It's been, it's going to be flat, um, you know, obviously, I think from this yeah. year to last year, if I remember. This year and numbers, next year. But, and I think it's a maximum what, of $1 million per year going up until yeah, the players make up the But yeah, it's projected to go revenue. up at least a million next year, it sounds like. So yep. um, I'm not sure how it means for the next 10 years, but. Um, well, it, I think it's, be, it's a yeah. maximum of $1 million each year until the players make up the lost revenue. So that what it sounds like is that might never happen. So they might have to renegotiate the collective bargaining agreement. Because the amount of money the NHL lost, I'm not sure the players want, like their escrow is going to be ridiculous to have to pay that back. And they're going to be <laughs> losing a lot of money in their salary. So from everything I've heard, like with Elliot Friedman and stuff, people in the NHL media reporting that they're probably going to have to renegotiate the collective bargaining agreement. So we'll see what happens with all that. But yeah, yeah. So what well, makes it even tighter for all the teams? I mean, everyone's going to be, you know, whether you're at the bottom right now, I mean, just like next year, two years from now, you could be at the very top. Along right. with everyone else, so it's gonna be right. really, really tight. Um, so yeah, I, th- I agree. I think it's gonna be a really interesting situation for for what the cap's gonna be like for the next couple of years. Maybe not the next decade, but then again, who knows? Who knows what could happen? Yeah, and and uh, the last like big news item I wanted to mention, which I thought was crazy uh, this season, is the New York Islanders. So they're no longer playing at Barclays Center, as we know. In, in Brooklyn, they're no longer playing at the Coliseum in Long Island as that arena has been shut down. They're playing at, I think it's like the UBS Bank Arena or some of their brand-new facility, but it's not ready, and it's not going to be ready until like midway through November. So they're playing their first 13 games on the road. They're starting the season on the longest, I believe, the longest road trip in NHL history. 13 straight games on the road, Jeff. Like, that's is crazy. 13? I, I remember MSG when they went through their um, – yeah. Re- renovations that Rangers were had a huge road trip, but yeah, I, I don't realize that was a record. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure the Islanders it's the record, it's 13 straight, and that's that's tough. I mean, they're gonna be but that reason be sick though, so it's worth the wait, I think. Yeah, and honestly, too, like, I mean, they're gonna have a ridiculous number of home games at the end of the year, and that's only gonna help them in their playoff push, you know what I mean? So, yeah, but I mean, that's still, yeah, it's still tough, um, tough way to start the season because you know, every year there's teams that have a bad start. But they're not a bad team. Um, case in point, Panthers were like that a couple of years ago, where they just—I think they were like one and nine to start the season or something like that. There was—they were awful. But then they finished up 
right near the playoffs. And um, it goes to show that first month, month and a half. Yeah, you you don't want to say that <laughs> you don't have to go, you know, 900 win uh, percentage. But, I mean, if you can stay at 500 or above, that's ideal. Um, if you have a slow start, that could hurt you. Um, so I say even for the Pens, too. You know, Pens are in that kind of a crazy situ- situation. So, um, you know, if the Islanders can get away with, with, you know, staying at 500 on the road there to start off, that's not bad, you know. But, hey, that's not – not easy to do either. Yeah, that makes me a little bit nervous about the Penguins. Like if, you know, and we'll get to the divisions here in a second in our predictions, like I mentioned. But, um, you know, I, I'm just a little bit worried about their health right now with Crosby and Malkin. And then you got Jake Gensel on the COVID list, might miss the start of the season. Looks like he's going to at least maybe the first game or two. If you start the season, you know, you lose like eight of your first 10 or something like that. And that very well possibly could happen. Um you know, you're in trouble. Like you said with Florida, they played great the latter half of the season, but the, the hole they dug at the beginning of the season was too much to overcome. And the Penguins playoff, you know, um, streak might be in jeopardy. Do I think they're going to miss the playoffs? I do not. Because uh, Crosby's only going to miss four or five games, at least from what they're saying now, as far as camp goes and what Ron Hextall is talking about. Malkin, he's going to be out till, you know, probably December, January, right around Christmas, somewhere in there. Um at the earliest, I would say. And Jake Gensel, obviously, is on the COVID list, but he won't be on for much longer. He's been on for about a week now. So it, we'll see what happens. They got some young young players, but we'll get into that in a minute. So, yeah, with that being said, man, I want to pivot over and talk a little bit about the uh, divisions that I mentioned and, and give a little breakdown on who we think is going to win each division. So we'll just go through each division now, um, and we'll start with the Metro. We'll start with the Metro uh, division with uh, Pittsburgh, obviously. Too. Yeah, I think this is the toughest division, man. Uh, Pittsburgh obviously won the division last year, which is a surprise, to be honest with you. Uh, short season, I did not think they were going to win the division. But um, for those who don't know, this division has the Carolina Hurricanes, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the New Jersey Devils, the New York Islanders, the New York Rangers, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Washington Capitals. So uh, I'll let you go first, man. Who do you think is going to take this division this year? Uh, because it's tough. I really, there's probably. Um, honestly, almost every team has a shot at it. Maybe the Devils don't. I think the Devils are going to be a tough beat, though. Yeah, I, see, I think the better question is who's not going to make the playoffs, and that's just simply the Blue Jackets. Like they're to me, they don't have a shot. Like they're going that's through true. their rebuilding. Um, after that, though, I, even I'm including the Devils with this. I think all those teams are decent teams. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Devils still have a little bit ways to go. Um, they're definitely on the right track. Like I think, I think Hughes, Heischer, you know, when they got Dougie Hamilton, um, they got some other good young young guys. Um, they're on the right track. So I, I don't want to count the Devils out, but I just I don't see them making it this year. Um, yeah, I, I think they're a little bit early, man. Like I agree with you. I, I think they're they're not quite Florida like we talked about. They're maybe like two or three years out, but I think Jack uh, Hughes is going to have a breakout year. I like Mackenzie Blackwood in the goal crease. He's not bad. Um, you know, we'll see what he he can do. And Dougie Hamilton coming over, he had a huge ticket, like you mentioned. I think he's making like nine million dollars a year. That's a lot. They still have PK Subban on the books for I think nine million. I think this is his last year of his contract. Um, so we'll see what happens with the Devils. But like I mentioned, man, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But they're not going to be a team that you can just go into East Rutherford and win. Like And Penguins, speaking of the Penguins, they almost never win up there. They always struggle against New Jersey at New Jersey. So I think they're going to be a tough team to beat. 
Um, I don't mean to cut you off, but I just wanted to touch on the Devils there no, for a no, second. No, I mean, I'm, I'm in agreement. I think they, they got some pieces, but they got a ways to go. Um, they're in good hands with Shero. I think, uh, you know, he'll continue the rebuilding and continue, you know, what they've been doing. Not to mention, you know, they got uh, Luke Hughes, isn't it Luke? Uh, Jack's brother. Yep, yep. And Quinn, so, Quinn Hughes' brother, who we talked about before. Yeah, um, well, yeah, obviously Quinn. But yeah, that's but it's, crazy, it's really, dude. Three, that three was brothers. Really fun to watch Jack and Luke play together. But, oh yeah, oh yeah. Still needs to go for that, but um, but yeah. So I mean, those are the two teams that I think I can safely say like I, I just don't see them making it. Um, after that, I think it gets so close, and um, you know, given the setup is uh, you know, the top three teams definitely make it from each division. I'm going with five teams making it from the Metro. So I know that kind of I'm reveals what I'm going to say for the Atlantic. But I'm with you um, 100%. Yeah, I think this is a year where you're going to see five teams from one division making the playoffs. Um, unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to have to say the Pens don't make it just because Ooh. I'm not trying to get my hopes up, basically, as a Pens fan. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I, I think it's just going to be so tough without – Sid for X amount of time, and then without Gino for X amount of time, um, and um, yeah, I I hope I'm wrong. I really really hope I'm wrong, but it, it just feels like this is just not the same team it was last year. Um, so that said, it leaves uh, the Caps, Islanders, Canes, Flyers, Rangers is how I look at it. Those are the five teams I think are are going to make it into uh, into the playoff race. Um, or into the playoffs, I should say. But I, if I had to pick the division winner, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to say it's going to be the Rangers. I think the Rangers are going to surprise a lot of people. Um, they're way ahead of schedule, I think, from the rebuild that they were anticipating. Um, and that helps, you know, getting good draft bags, you know, whether it's Capococco or Lafreniere. Um, I just think that they're going to be surprising a lot of people this year. Um you know, Fox, Condre, Miller uh, on the blue line there. I, I just, I really like how this team's gonna, gonna probably, uh, hopefully perform from from a standpoint of being exciting hockey to watch. So, um, so that's why I look at it. Um, I still think the Canes are gonna be a top team, um, although it's so weird what they did with their goalie situation. Um, yeah, I agree, man. I, I don't. Yeah, it doesn't make that any sense, but that's what happened, and you know, I'm interested to see how. The, Anderson holds up uh, for full season, but Ranta's more than capable too. Um, yeah. Then so, again, so yeah. then again, I thought Morazic, Morazic, and uh, Nijelovic are, are well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, man. For those, it, but those yeah, who don't know, dude, like they they had the Hurricanes had a Calder finalist, a Rookie of the Year finalist, Alex Nedeljkovic, and traded him to uh, Detroit. Stevie Y on it on it again up there in Detroit. And I mean, they ended up getting Freddie Anderson, who I think is going to have a breakout season. Honestly, I mean, he's—I don't want to say breakout season because he's had great seasons before, but I think the being out of the Toronto pressure will do him well. And I'm hopeful because he's on my fantasy team. He's my fantasy goalie. So yeah, I was going to say you're goes. biased because you have him for fantasy. <laughs> but that—that's the reason I picked him, man. I, I thought like he's a great goalie, but getting out of the the shadow of the Toronto media might do him do him you know do him yeah, well. And no, I, but Toronto, I, we'll see. Yeah, Toronto wasn't too bad on him, but for being a Swedish goalie, um, I know think be I know really hard on him, but they weren't too bad. But it's know, Toronto, to... dude. Like if you don't win every game, it's the end of the oh, world. Oh yeah, so I mean like... Toronto, Philly. Those are the last places I would want to play as a goalie, but. Um, or just in general, but, yeah. But he, I mean, he's he he is getting older. He's you know he's not holding up. He's been injured a lot lately. Um, 
so yeah, I would just be concerned of those things if I'm the Canes. I, I just, I, why, why get rid of Neds and and uh, Morazic? You know, I thought Morazic was, you know, he got hurt too. So it's not to say that he didn't have the injury bug, but um, I liked Morazic. I think he plays really good hockey. Um, you know what's funny about Morazic, dude? I saw a tweet today. It summed up the Toronto Maple Leafs media and their fans so well. It was, and I agree with you on Morazic. I think he's a good goaltender. Is he a goaltender that's a championship caliber goaltender? I don't really think so. I think he can get you to the dance. I'm not sure he can win it for you. Doesn't mean they the Canes couldn't win without him, or we, they they couldn't win with him. Uh, I just don't think I don't think he'd be the reason. But it was a funny tweet. It said like, you know, Morazic was a goaltender for the Canes for the last few years, and everybody was always saying, well, the Hurricanes are really good up front. They got a good blue line. They're just lacking in goal. But the minute he puts on the Maple Leaf crest. Oh, this is the best Maple Leaf team they've ever we've ever seen. They don't have any holes and blah blah blah. It's so funny how like the Maple Leafs media and their fans just think they're gonna win every year. They're the Dallas Cowboys of the NHL. <laughs> they blow it every single year. And I, I honestly God, there's no way. There's no way they're beating either Tampa. They might be Boston if they get them in the playoffs. I doubt it. Boston has their number and they're like Boston's you know, Boston um is Toronto's big brother, you know, so to speak. But honestly, like I it sucks for Toronto. I just don't see them getting out of it. And we'll get. I don't want to yeah, get. I don't yeah. want to jump to that division yet. But like, dude, I, I agree with you. I think the Blue Jackets have no chance. I'm not sure why I said at the beginning. You know, most every team in this division has a chance. The Blue Jackets are toast. Um, if I had to pick, I'm saying Carolina wins the division. I just think they're. You know, the goaltending is comparable to what they had last year, if not a little bit better. If you look at Freddie Anderson, I think he's a little better than Mrazek. Um, you know, he's not the best goaltender in the NHL, but they were pretty good without him. They went to the Stanley Cup or the Eastern Conference final, I'm sorry, a couple of years ago. Um, so I think they can get to that again with a full season here. Um, the Islanders are going to be right there, dude. They're just a tough team to play against. Well coached, just an absolute idiotic move still by the Capitals to get rid of Barry Trotz over a couple million dollars. Uh, but one of the best coaches in the NHL, I think they're right there. And honestly, dude, I. I I like the range. I think it's five teams out of this division as well. So I'm going to go. I said the Hurricanes are going to win the division. I'm going to say Hurricanes, Islanders, Rangers, Penguins, Flyers make the playoffs. I think the Washington Capitals are going to miss the playoffs. I don't know what's going to happen with uh, Ovechkin. I just saw tonight in the preseason he got hurt. He had a he hit Travis Konechny, and we're recording this on Friday night. Uh, for those who were wondering when I said tonight he got hurt, but he hit Travis Konechny of the Flyers and got up awkwardly and hobbled off the ice to look to be a left leg injury. Now, as many people will know, you know, based on Ovechkin's past, the Russian machine don't break, so he might be back quick. Uh, but I think they're slowing down a little bit, honestly. I mean, they got some old players, sort of the Penguins. But I think the Penguins' um, upside and goal, and people will laugh about that based on Tristan Jari's performance in the playoffs last year, but I think Jari's a better goaltender than Vitek Vanasek or, or Ilya Simsonov. That's my opinion. Maybe I'm biased because I'm a Penguins fan. No, I, but. no I, I mean, I. so if the Pens make it, I can easily see that, but I would be swapping out the Isles or the Caps. I think Rangers, Flyers, Canes are, are teams that I think are going to make it for sure. I actually think the Isles are going to be figured out this year. You think? Um, yeah, I'm not saying that they're not well coached or anything like that, but I just think their style is just going to be very predictable, and I think teams are going to figure that out. They're going to know how to beat them this year. Um, and and the Caps, say you know, I, I didn't see the hit. I just sounded like Ovechkin went after connecting though. It was actually he hurt himself on the hit that he was giving. Yeah, um, he did. You did. Yeah. yeah so it was so, an awkward. It wasn't like a dirty hit or anything. It was just kind of like an awkward. Yeah, uh, coming and up the I, left. Yeah, wing so I don't know there. how serious it is, but still, like you know, injuries are going to show for every team. Um, if they did lose Ovi for some 
amount of time. You know, I still think the Caps are a fairly decent, deep team. Um, but then again, I, I could see them just not playing as well as maybe they're anticipated to. You know, Oshie kind of uh, gets hot and cold. You know, Ovi's getting older. Um, same with Kuznetsov. He kind of goes hot and cold. And, you know, their goaltending, I'm not sold on Samsonov. I think Vanacek isn't that bad, but even then, I don't know if he's really going to be a true number one goalie in the future. Yeah, Um, I agree. I'm in the boat of, um, you know, as a Pens fan, but just as a goalie fan, I like Jari. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure why people are really trying to to run him out of town. Um, It was a horrible play he made, and then he didn't really rebound that well for the next game, but... I like Jari. I think he's a good goalie. I don't see him, um, you know, just totally becoming a bust uh, overnight. Here, I, I still think he's got a ways to go to develop, but he's on the. I, I just don't see him not, um, you know, being the solid goalie that I think he is. Um, and we've seen it too. So, um, yeah, not you know, really crappy end of the year for him, but I don't see him continuing with that that trend. Um, same with Carter Hart. I think Carter Hart's a really good goalie with probably the worst stats you'll ever see for a starter in, in any of the teams last year. But I, I still think Harder, uh, Carter Hart's a good goalie. And the way they built their defense a little bit better this year, I think the Flyers are going to be uh, a tough matchup and, and really make Hart look better than, than he really ever was. So See, my thing um, my thing with that, like two things. Uh, so going back to the Penguins, and I don't want to spend too much time on it. I know I talk about the Penguins a lot on the podcast. my favorite team, obviously. But um, I think, honestly, with – and we can go back to with Flurry and, and Murray, with Mike Bales being one of the best goaltender coaches I think the Penguins have had in a long time. They switched over to Mike Buckley when they made a decision to go with Murray, who was um, – you know Murray's guy and Wilkesbury, and then if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not you know wrong here, I'm pretty sure they they fired him right. They got a new they have a new goaltending coach. Yeah, uh, Andy Chiato, I want to. Yeah, say Andy. Yeah, days. yeah. I think it's Chiato or so, some some. Yeah, I always butcher everyone's names. Yeah, yeah. I'm like Don Cherry on here probably butchering <laughs> his names. Dude, I love Don, no. Don Cherry. I'm pretty sure he used to do it on purpose. I, I did you ever see PK <laughs> Subban's impression of Don Cherry? No. Oh I'll my watch god, dude. Google it or uh, YouTube it. It's funny. It's only like twenty five seconds on Hockey Night in Canada. It's pretty funny. But I, I just think that's gonna play an, an integral role in, in Jari's bounce back. And I've seen people say this before, like Matt Murray, you know, when they had Mike Bales and I'm not saying it's Mike Buckley's fault, but like the same problems that Murray had late in his Penguins career, Jari has had as well. He's deep in his net, he's getting beat high glove, he's not confident, he's missing his angles, and you could speak to it more than me at being a goaltender and having experience, but I I I hope that the new goaltending coach maybe breathes a you know breathes some fresh air into that and gets Jari you know back excited about playing. He didn't look great in the preseason, I'll say that. Um, but again, it's the preseason and you're playing with a lot of guys that are probably going to be in juniors or in the AHL, so you can't really judge them on that. Um, but you know, I, I think the Penguins are going to extend the extend the playoff streak here and. Um, but I do, I do appreciate your pick. That you know, thinking you know, maybe you don't want to get your hopes up. And uh, but man, it, it would really suck if they missed the playoffs because we've been we've been privileged here in the city of Pittsburgh. As my brother-in-law Andrew from from uh, you know Virginia and DC area will tells me all the time how we complain about shit. Meanwhile, you know, we're Steelers fans, we're Penguins fans, and not so much Pirates fans. But our teams have been you know unbelievable, whereas other markets have had you know years and years 
you know, look at the Detroit Lions in the NFL. They haven't won a playoff game. They haven't made the playoffs in like 15 years or something stupid like that. I don't know if that's exactly right, but it's some. It's been a long time. So we're privileged well, here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say this. I I only not picked the Pens because of um, how how tough their schedule is. I think at first, it's not like they're playing like Buffalo and Ottawa every night um, to start the season. I mean, they start off with um, Tampa and, and and the Panthers on the road. Um, so right away they, they're going on the Florida trip in, in October when it's already 80 degrees up here already. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's not going to be easy game. They got, they got, uh, uh, the Hawks for their home opener who I think Chicago's going to be a good team. Um, they got Dallas, they got New Jersey at the end of the month. Um, they have Tampa again, I think, uh, at home. Um, trying to remember who else is on on the list, but I, I, there's like eight or nine games in the month of October that none of those are going to be easy wins. So if they start off, you know, one and seven or two and six, or, or they're not getting points from overtime or shootout losses, they could be in a huge hole right from the get go, and um, that's where that could that could be detrimental to the season. Um, I hope I'm wrong, like I said, but I, I just it's going to be tough without. Sid and, and Gino um, to start the year, um, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do to help you know change the style, which I don't think they will. I think it'll. Um, I think Sullivan will keep to to what he's comfortable with. Um, I mean, I've told this to you that I, I always believed in that moving Gensel to center. You know, he was a centerman back in college. Um, I think he even with Wilkesbury when he was uh, coming into the league. Um, making him like a defensive centerman, almost like a way Suzuki is for Montreal, where he's just out there like a gnat and taking up space, taking up lanes, using his hockey IQ and, and, you know, just playing a smart game and shutting down the other, you know, opponent's first line. That's what I would be looking for. Um, Especially when you have, you know, if you had Gensel, Kapanen and Zucker, you know, on the wings, uh, that's a fast line. I, I would love to see that line play, but I don't think they, they would ever do that. Um, right. But I think I think the way you're going to win games is two to one, one nothing, uh, or or just you know, getting to overtime and maybe losing three to two or something like that. Um, that's just not just the think, Penguins' identity. That I, yeah, I it's agree not. With they're it's not. not gonna, but, they're not going to play that way. But it's going to be two different teams you're going to see this year, and and that's what I think you're going to have to do. You're going to have to play a totally different style to start the year, and then once you get guys coming back and hopefully know their added injuries then you then you're back to what you want to play as as a you know high octane team probably but um i just don't see it happening and if they're thinking they're going to win games like they would normally do i I just don't see it happening yeah i agree i agree uh it's going to be tough i think they'll make it but we'll see what happens we'll see what happens i want to pivot over to we'll talk about the other divisions here Quickly, I knew we would spend the most time on the Metro, but uh, we'll switch over to the Atlantic. I know you mentioned the Metro is going to have five playoff teams, um, in your opinion. So basically, the Atlantic Division, in my eyes, maybe you you uh, have a different opinion, but it would be down to you know three of these teams because you and I both think five are coming out of the Metro. So three teams would come out of the Atlantic, and three of the teams would have to be you know either the the Bruins, the Panthers. Uh, the Lightning or the Leafs, probably. Uh, Montreal, I think, would be right there. They made it to the Stanley Cup final last year, but Carey Price has entered the player assistance program. 
Uh, we hope he's doing well. We hope he gets the help he needs, his family and everything. Uh, I don't want to dive into that or speculate on what's going on there, but we just wish Carey Price the best. Obviously here, hopefully um, you know everything's okay with him mentally and, and everything like that. I just wanted to make that known. Uh, but I don't think they were going to make the playoffs anyways. I think they were a little bit of a fluke last year. They had a great, great little uh, season there and a great run in the playoffs, but I think it's really down to the Bruins. Panthers, Lightning, and Leafs. And in my opinion, I think Boston's on the outside looking in this year. I think it's going to be uh, Tampa, Toronto, and the Florida Panthers with the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the division. Yeah, I, I, I'm i fully uh, in agreement. It's um, To me, I think the Cats win the division um, with the Bolts and Leafs closely behind. It's going to be really tight. But then after I think it trails off quick, I yeah, even with Carey Price, if he was even in that, I think losing Weber was a huge loss to that team. That that's right. Yeah, that's sort of like the outside of Price. He's sort of the next person as the heart and soul of that team. So and, they lost um, their two top players basically for at least. I mean, Weber for the forever, pretty much. He's done yeah. almost. And then Carey Price for who knows how long. Yeah, yeah. And I was gonna say even Philip Deneau. I, I think he was a good centerman, um, and they lost him to L.A. Right. Um, so yeah, I I just don't think the Habs are are gonna be. Um, you know, it was a great run they had last year, but I just don't see them doing anything close to that. And uh, and Bruins are sort of in the same spot as the Caps and, and the Pens are. They're just getting older. It's just not the same team. It's really just Marshawn Bergeron is sort of the the lone veterans of, of the you know, dynasty days of when the Bruins were really unstoppable. But, um, yeah, I just don't see the Bruins putting together a full season. I think they're going to have their ups and downs. And even if Tuka Ras does come back, um, it just may be too little, too late for them. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna agree with you for Atlantic. Yeah, I agree with that too. And and I think David Pasternak will have a good season. But once you hit that, I mean, they got Taylor Hall in the second line. But once you get away from that Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak line on the top line, there, it's a big drop off to me. So I think um, Boston's gonna take a step back here and miss the playoffs. Uh, so I'm glad we're in agreement there. Um, switching over to the Central Division. Uh, pretty crazy that Arizona Coyotes are in the Central Division this year with Seattle joining the Pacific Division. Um, it's only a matter of time, in my opinion, before the Arizona Coyotes become the Houston Coyotes or whatever they want to be or the Quebec yeah. Nordiques. Hopefully, and, it'll That's be a shame, Nordiques. too. They're on the Pacific near uh, where Vegas. I mean, that would have been a really fun rivalry to have in that division. I know, but honestly, like the Ve- the Golden Knights and the Coyotes being a rivalry the last couple of years has been like the, the the windshield considering the bug arrival. You know what I mean? Like they Well, yeah, it, it's it's similar to, you know, LA and Vegas, that's the real rivalry, I think. Right. Um, so that's or like LA and Anaheim's a decent rivalry. Yeah. Yep. But that, that's I mean that's like Penguins Flyers and um you know that's a legit rivalry. But then the Blue Jackets try to act like they're a rivalry to the Pens and no one cares here about the Blue Jackets. No, you go um, to a Blue Jackets game in, in Columbus, and it's eighty percent Penguin fans. It's a joke. Right. Well, yeah, and then, and but you go to Columbus too, and all the fans hate the Penguins there. Yeah. Uh, so it's just funny how you know there's certain teams that just want a rivalry. So in this case, yeah, the Coyotes could have used that given their their stance right now and on the business side of things. Um, I hope they stay in Arizona because, I, first off, I love their jerseys so. Um, I'd hate to see them. The get new Kachina ones. They're like yeah. going back to the oh, Kachina ones. Those. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love those. The '90s ones, and now they're back to them. Um, Every time I see that jersey, man, I think of. Um, I had Nintendo 64. I had NHL Breakaway '97 with Keith Kachuk on the cover, 
Dude, that yeah, was one of my favorite one. hockey games ever, and it had him in the Kachina jersey. But, yeah, definitely one of the best sweaters in the NHL. And you feel bad for the fans in, in Arizona. Um, you know, they they had a good team, like what, in like the late 90s with like Jeremy Roenick and Keith Kachuk, and they, they had a decent team. Um, but, man, they're just... Oh, yeah, they had Tony Amante, they had Nikolai Holly-Poulin. I mean, these are yeah. like Hall of Famers. On yeah, the exactly. Almost, dude. And... Um, and yeah, I don't know what went wrong. Um, like I said, with um, you know the Panthers sort of didn't do it the right way, but the Lightning did. I think uh, same thing for the the Coyotes. Did they, you know, do enough on the youth side? But hey, Matthews came out of Scottsdale, right? So they must have done something right. Um, then again, it's it's shown that it, from a business standpoint, it just wasn't working. You know, even when they got Gretzky as coach, try to you know sell tickets that way. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, him and, him and just, Rick talking or gambling on the bench. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's funny with with the Coyotes that um, I feel like they're getting in the right direction. They're finally, you know, shifting and and getting back on the right trajectory. But um, but yeah, it's I just don't see them doing well if uh, if they don't have enough brand recognition around the league. So they need. That's why I said they need that rivalry. Um, because literally it's just, they're, they're kind of out on their own little Island almost at this point. Um, so yeah. you need to kind of build some sort of brand recognition across the league, whether it's a rivalry or just, you know, some sort of, you know, superstar players that they can start, you know, start either grooming or, or sign at some point so that, you know, people are, are saying, Oh, that's the coyotes identity, you know? Yeah. So the only thing with the coyotes, two things to your point about signing a superstar player, the only thing I can see is potentially if they could throw they could back up the Brinks truck for Austin Matthews in like two more years or whenever he's an unrestricted free agent with the Leafs would he leave Toronto I don't know but if he was going to leave Toronto I could see him going to Arizona but honestly I think with them moving to the central division them having issues with the city of Phoenix and Glendale um, of getting a new arena it's only a matter of time to me before they move and they it'd be nice to see them go to Quebec that'd be sick to be the Nordiques again and be in the central division would make sense but I know Houston wants a team too but we'll see what happens with them Um, as far as the division goes I think four teams are going to make the playoffs out of this division I think hopefully you know me being a closet fan and a big Nathan McKinnon fan and Mika Rantanen fan I watch almost every avalanche game every year um I think the Avalanche are going to win the division. I think they're. I think they're going to win the President's Trophy as well. I think they'll be the best team this year. Um, it's big question marks for them, man. I'd like to get your opinion just quickly too, like on, um, you know, them. Philip Grubauer was a Vezina finalist, I believe, last year, and he ended up signing in Seattle, who we'll talk about here in a moment with the Pacific Division. But they let him go based on a couple million dollars. I think he wanted uh, a little bit more than. Um, Colorado was offering, but they got Darcy Kemper from the you know aforementioned Arizona Coyotes, who I think Kemper's a good goalie, but he has trouble staying healthy. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, it's it's not every day you see a team give up a Vezina Trophy winning goaltender. I mean, look at Vegas; they did the same thing too. But um, or Vezina Trophy finalist, I should say, with Philip Grubauer. But like you know, Colorado they got a great young team, but if Darcy Kemper gets hurt and they're they're backup. Uh, Pavel Francouz or Francouz or however you say it, he's already injured for the first couple of weeks of the season. That's a big risk if you ask me, but I still think they'll overcome it. I think Kemper will have a good year, and Kel McCarr, I, I predict him is, he's going to win the Norris Trophy this year. Yeah, well, I remember when Kemper was playing in Minnesota, and I thought he looked good. Um, it, so I, I'm not too concerned from a goaltending standpoint, also because it's, it's the Avalanche, like they're just so well built. Um, 
so yeah, I, I'm in agreement. I think they win the division. Um, but I actually, I'm going with five teams for this division getting in the playoffs as well. I just think that division is so good. It's it's um, just as good as the Metro. Yeah. Um, so I'm going with Hawks, Blues, Stars, and Mini um, getting in because um, I just think that division is so, so tight. Um, and all those teams, I think, are, are very decent, if not capable of, of actually getting to the finals. I mean, it's one thing to say, like, your team's really good, you win the President's Trophy, but to go in that extra gear come playoff time, um, you know, any of those eight teams can get into that, to that, to the finals. And, um, you know, I look at those rosters, I, I think like even the Hawks, like Hawks have so many good young players. And they're getting Taves yeah, back I, this year too. Yeah. And, and I, I'm biased cause I, I'm a closet Hawks fan as well. Like being in Chicago and, and, um, you know, tracking them, you know, the way that the pens were, um, in the mid two thousands, that's where how the Hawks were. They, you know, drafted Taves, drafted, uh, Kane and and took off from there but um but yeah I just think that that division it's going to be five teams out of that division too um you know Blues are still the Blues they still you know solid team stars uh very much so decent and then Minnesota's really taken off from um being kind of this non-exciting um you know defensive style team too they're pretty fun to watch so real kaprizov is is so fun to watch man i i agree with you dude um i know i mentioned four teams i, I still think it's gonna be four i appreciate your your pick on five i love Kirill kaprizov i think it's gonna be the avalanche like i said to win the division i think minnesota st louis and i'm gonna throw the winnipeg jets in there i think the winnipeg jets are gonna surprise some people I don't know why. I just have a. I think Pierre Luc Dubois will have a better year this year. They've got one of the best goaltenders in the NHL, and Connor Hellebuck. He can steal any game. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, back in that division, uh, the normal division, you know, with going back to the normal divisions this year after the COVID season in Dallas, they're always a big question mark for me. Um, they've got some great young talent, good veteran leadership. Um, ben Bishop, I believe, is hurt in goal to start the season. Uh, Jake Ottinger, I think that's how you say his name, is going to be the the uh, goaltender at least to start the season, and he's well, the future yeah, yeah. there. But it, so they always they always kind of make me a little bit nervous, I think. But I I appreciate your pick, you know, with five five teams coming from the central. Yeah, I, I, so well, a couple things for for the stars. I I think their goaltending is top notch, given they got um, good veterans. So you got Brain Holpe, you got Kadobin. Um, yeah, Bishop sounds like he's gonna be out, but still, maybe he comes back. Um, but even if he doesn't, I, I'm not, I think they're already looking past that, that he's not coming back. Um, and then Andre in, in the, uh, in the background, who's going to be a good young goalie, uh, already is. Um, and, uh, yeah, I still think the stars, especially with their, you know, Klingberg and Heiskin in, um, I still, I think Sagan's going to bounce back. He's been, you know, it's been tough past year year and a half for him so um so i'm confident the stars are gonna be better than i think anticipated um you know the jets i liked the jets a couple years ago i actually i really liked the jets a couple years ago when they had bufflin line a um you know shifley was was just emerging but he was still very solid um as a centerman I think they were playing Vegas, I want to say, and it was the 2018 playoffs. I can't remember, but I remember in the playoffs, they looked great. And um, I forgot, someone got injured, maybe it was Shifley, or someone went down, and um, 
it was, it was this crazy series. I almost positive it was Vegas. Um, but I remember saying to myself, man, Jets, they're going to be so good for a couple of years if they can keep these guys together. But you know what? They didn't. It, it, line A left. Bufflin, you know, left for various reasons. Um, they just sort of lost their identity, that mojo. I don't. I like them. I think Hellebuck's a good goalie. I like Shifley. He's a really smart player. Um, but I just don't see them doing what I thought they could have been doing had they, you know, kept a lot of the sort of that core intact. Um, yeah, I appreciate. So yeah, that. we'll see. I, I appreciate that. Uh, that you know, insight and that take there too. And I, I agree. I think they, they were a better team, obviously, when they had Line A and and they had Bufflin. And I just like you know, for me. Last thing I'll say on this division is, is I, I like Paul Maurice as a head coach. I think he's a good motivator, a good coach, um, and yeah, I, I could, I could see coach. them. Yeah, they have a young, you know, defensive core. I could see them getting in. I think Pierre Luc Dubois will have a better, a better season this year. But it remains to be seen. It's a tough division for them. And I honestly, like you said, man, I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas. I wouldn't be surprised if Nashville. You know, there's some teams that could still make some moves here. Um, we'll see what happens. But I'm excited for that division. But I do think Colorado is going to run away with it. Um, switching to the to the Pacific, the last division here, like I mentioned, so I had four teams coming out of the Central. I got four teams coming out of the Pacific, and I think the best team in this division, far and away, is the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, two big things for me, for them this year, is uh, center depth. Obviously, they had center depth issues last year. They've got great wingers in Riley Smith, Jonathan Marcheseau, Mark Stone. Mark Stone's the best defensive forward in in, in hockey right now, probably you could argue. Um, but they have center depth issues. Uh, I know they were in on Jack Eichel. We'll see what happens with that. Jack Eichel would be a huge spark to that team who needs some, some scoring and, and some, um, you know, some bodies down the middle there. They're, they're very, very light in the, the center position. And then in goal, man, we talked about Marc-Andre Fleury going over to Chicago, um, and Pete DeBoer, he's going to be, you know, his ass is on the line right now. He's the head coach for the Vegas Golden Knights, if you don't know. And it's kind of like Mike Sullivan, where Mike Sullivan, his guy was Matt Murray. And he they let Marc-Andre Fleury go to the expansion draft. Same thing with Pete DeBoer. His guy's Robin Leonard. Um, and we'll see if Robin Leonard can carry the workload. Last year, he was the starting goalie coming out of camp, got injured. Marc-Andre Fleury went in, played unbelievable hockey. Uh, and Vegas really couldn't deny it. I mean, they couldn't go back to Leonard whenever he came back because Flurry was playing so well, and Flurry ended up winning the Vezina Trophy. Uh, Flurry getting traded as a Vezina Trophy winner the year before is crazy to me. Chicago is pretty lucky to get that. Um, but we'll see what happens with Robin Leonard, man. I, I, but I, I think he can do it, and I think this division is pretty weak, to be honest. That's why I think Vegas, no matter what, can probably win it uh, pretty easily. I think Vancouver will be their biggest competition we talked about them a little bit ago with Elias uh, Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes signing uh JT Miller Brock Besser you know all those guys on, on that uh the team Thatcher Demko in the cage I think they're a pretty good team um and I think Edmonton's going to make the playoffs I think they're going to be I think they're barely going to squeak in just based on Connor McDavid's production I just don't see how they've improved really at all to me um in the offseason they got the same goaltender they really didn't add anything up front um, of significance. To me, in my opinion, uh, Oilers fans might think differently, but I, I think they'll still get in because I, I think Calgary, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Calgary ends up trading Johnny Gaudreau at some point, either before the season starts, which would probably be a shock, or during the season. Um, Anaheim, LA, obviously rebuilding. 
And I think the Seattle and San Jose is rebuilding too, and they're dealing with some issues with their leading scorer and Evander Kane. I don't want to get into, but he's just all over the place with all kind of problems. But I think the Seattle Kraken are going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be a team, Jeff, like you mentioned, the Penguins should play. They're going to be a tough team to beat, kind of like when Minnesota came into the NHL. You had to beat them one nothing. You had to beat them two one. They're going to be a tough, gritty team. They don't really have any superstar players. They've got a great goaltender in, in Philip Grubauer. Chris Dreger's their backup, so they're solid in net. Um, you know, they've got Mark Giordano on the back end, uh, Jamie Alexiak. They're pretty decent. Um, so I think they're going to be a pretty good team. I, I'm not saying they're going to like you know win the Stanley Cup or anything, Jeff, but like. I think they're going to make the playoffs, and they're going to be a very, very tough team, and I think it'll be a very raucous building to try to go into, uh, what is it, Climate Pledge Arena. I think Jeff Bezos uh, funded it. Um, to go in there and get a win It's going to be tough. What do you think? Yeah, well, so, yeah, I got I got three of the teams. You know, I only have three, but I got three of the four. Um, you know, Vegas, I think, yeah, they're going to run away with it. I don't see any reason why they couldn't. Then again, with all of my picks, it, anything can happen. Injuries, trade <laughs> yeah. deadline. I mean, like, who knows what can happen? This is going to be, you know, I'm going to look back probably six months from now. I'm like, oh, my God, why was I picking these guys? I'm going to have you back on right before the playoffs, and we're going to talk about how, how bad oh, yeah, picks I, I screenshot all. <laughs> I screenshot all of my picks. I send it out every year to you, you yeah, and Zach and Johnny. And, um, I know. <laughs> I save them just so I look back and say, wow, I got this wrong pretty bad. But, um but yeah, I think the the Knucks make it. Um, I think they're definitely a, a solid team, and and they may even make a run for Vegas's money as a as a division winner. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just think that I just think they're such a good young team still. Um, and then I have the Oilers coming in uh, just after that. Um, anytime you have McDavid, I just I think that team is just gonna be um, just as good as last year, and 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 enough to make the playoffs. Um, Maybe not playing good playoff hockey yet, but for regular season they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I who knows what can happen. Like I said, but Seattle, I I think they need another year or two. I think they got some really good young players like Morgan Geek. I think is going to be a great player. Um, but they still got a ways to go. I think. Um, I don't see them making it. I don't see Calgary making it. Um, Sharks, oh, God bless them. They're not going to be even close, but. I know they'll try. Um, yeah, so I, I just think that if I'm not right about the Metro having five teams making it, I'm definitely right about five teams making it from the from the Central because I just think the Pacific is just so spread out where you have some really good teams and really, really bad teams. Yeah, I agree. I, I know I said four and four, but I wouldn't be surprised. And I think the Pacific's the worst division in hockey. Um and it's unfortunate just looking back at it. I know we talked about it at the fantasy draft the other night, but looking at some of the guys in the Pacific Division that used to be you know top tier guys in fantasy hockey like Brent Burns and Drew Doughty, and just kind of how like they've gotten older and the team's gotten worse. It's pretty pretty wild to see, but the changing of the guard in the NHL. But I appreciate your picks, and we'll definitely have you back on to uh, to evaluate them and give a preview for the uh, the playoffs. And hopefully, we'll have you back on more than that because this has been a blast, man. I really enjoyed it. I hope you had a good time on here. I know the listeners will have fun and can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's been fun listening to you and, um, I hope, uh, I hope this was a good episode and, uh, I can't wait to come back on at some point because yeah, I'd love to come back to some of these picks and just to see where we're at. Um, and real quick, I'll throw my art Ross and, uh, other award winners. So art Ross, I'm going to McDavid, 
Hart McDavid, Norris McCarr, Vesna. I'm doubling down. So last year I said it was going to be Carter Hart. I'm saying it's Carter Hart again. Oh, boy. Even though it was way off last year, I'm going to go with it again. Uh, Calder, I'm going Cole Caulfield if he can stay healthy. And uh, and for the Rocket Richard, I'm going Kucherov. I just think he's going to uh, be lighting up all season. So those are my picks. Can't wait to go back to him in a few months. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. I'll give mine too real quick too before we sign off here. But uh, so Art Ross, you know, again, I'm going to go McDavid, Hart, McDavid. Uh, Rocket Richard, I'm going to Austin Matthews. Uh, I think he's going to get 50 to 55 goals. That's my opinion. Um, Vezina, this is tough, man. This is real tough. Uh, I'm going to say Vasilevsky. It's hard to bat or bet against him. Uh, Calder, I agree. You have to remember Vezina's also with how good the defensive team is in front of you too. So yeah, that's why I picked. That's why I picked Hart because I think he's got a much better defense in front of him. It'd be a huge bounce back if Hart gets it. We'll see. Hopefully, oh, personally for me, I hope he doesn't. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, he's a good young player for sure. Like it, it, it'd be nice for him to bounce back. I'm sure Flyers fans would like that. Um, and Calder, I agree with your Cole Caulfield pick. He's out a little bit, I think, to start the season. But I think he's he's Trevor Zegers, the stud uh, young player for the Ducks, who's good friends with Caulfield, predicted that Cole Caulfield will get 40 goals this year. So I'll be surprised, you know, <laughs> if that happens. Yeah. Oh but yeah, he's yeah he's we'll right see. behind him as well as Spencer Knight. I think if Bobrovsky doesn't play well, Spencer Knight, I think, can definitely fill a number one role. Oh, 100. Um, percent I can't believe they drafted or they uh, traded for Bobrovsky after they already drafted Spencer Knight. Just an unbelievable move by the Florida Panthers. And um, who did you have for your Norris? I, I'm McCarr, but I know you're going to say McCarr because you have him for your fantasy team. Yeah, so and I'm an Avalanche Closet fan, but I think McCarr is the you know one of the best defensemen in the NHL. So I could see him or Quinn Hughes, yeah. him or Quinn Hughes getting it, and they were up for it last year. Um, so, or no, sorry, I'm sorry, they were up for a Calder Trophy. And people were mad that McCarr got it and Quinn Hughes didn't, even though McCarr played less games. But I think McCarr's a better player than Quinn Hughes. But, you know, with that being said, I uh, hope you guys have a hell of a week. The NHL season starts on Tuesday night. Cannot wait. The Penguins are playing the Tampa Bay Lightning for the banner-raising game down there on ESPN. The following night, unfortunately, I think Ryan Reeves got hurt. He might be back, but we'll see. But it's the Rangers and the Capitals. A little bit of a revenge game for uh, when Tom Wilson ragdolled Artemi Panarin. Uh, last year so we'll see what happens with that hopefully Reeves is there and he can uh, pump uh, Tom Wilson's eyes shut we'll see how that goes but you know with that being said hope you guys have a hell of a week and remember if I don't see you around here I'll see you around here Getting caught